Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of Deep Fried Thoughts here where we talk about whatever's currently frying on my mind. Uh, man, I know I, again, keep saying it, the world feels like it's on fire, feels like it's getting even hotter. Um, but I'll tell you what, you know, it, it's nice to step back a little bit from all that and sit down with somebody that maybe you disagree with, uh, maybe that you wouldn't think you'd be able to have so much in common with and just kind of give it a shot. Uh, I think you'd be surprised at where you'd end up. Uh, that's actually what we did again here uh, this week. Uh, I had a, a, fr- a friend of mine who I, I work with. He's a, is a co-worker. Uh, his name is Brandon, and he's going to, you know, get into it with me a little bit. He's a he's a Biden supporter. I think that's nuts, but, um, you know, that's why we need to talk to one another, um, figure out, you know, what's what's at the core of the issues we, we face each day and the, the differences that we have in one another, and it's the only way to humanize uh, the other side is to actually treat them like humans, have a conversation with them, and um, and go from there. You know, maybe they are crazy, and then you can keep thinking that, or maybe they're not. Maybe maybe we have a lot more in common than we think, which is what I'm finding out uh, every day. So anyway, without further ado, let's uh, jump into it. Also, this is a long one, so if you stick through with this one, uh, I'll give you 100 bucks, but not really. Deep Fried Thoughts, mmm, it's the best podcast. Deep Fried Thoughts, don't worry, we're working on a better intro. Alright dude, welcome uh, to my lair in the uh, the podcast podcast room. How you doing? I'm good. I like it. It's real homely. Yeah, that's the first time I've ever heard this basement described as homely, to be honest with you. Uh, I like it. <laughs> it's good. I'm always, I, I've told everybody that comes here, mm-hmm. I'm always like, uh, I don't know what anybody else's home or most people's homes look like. So when they come, I'm like, I'm not embarrassed, but I'm always like, I wonder what they're expecting when they come. And then they come and it's like this unfinished basement with like, you know, a table picked from the trash and some <laughs> sound equipment. But but if you think about it realistically, yeah, most people's homes aren't completely finished. Of course. You know what it is? It's my wife constantly pointing out the unfinished things. That makes me feel like this house is so much more unfinished than it probably is. Um, yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. Um, now, I know you had a story you said you wanted to tell me. I told you I didn't want to hear it until we started recording. But before we do that, just to let you guys know, we are talking about politics today. Um, Brandon and I disagree on a vast amount of things, but we work together. And oftentimes, whether we like it or not, usually like it, are working together. And we always try and bring up political conversations uh, nothing's ever gone crazy. If you hear any glass break, um, <laughs> then it went crazy this time. But we did decide to get some uh, some liquor and booze in here to try and uh, soften the blows a little bit. And I wasn't sure what to get. I always try and get something my guest likes. And if they pick something terrible, I'll get you know separate drinks. But Brandon, what did you pick? Coconut Ciroc. We picked peach, right? And then they didn't have that. I got coconut. Anyway, I brought this home last night. And as I was telling you, I cracked it open, mm-hmm. took a sip. And I usually drink vodka because it's no sugar. This obviously has a ton of sugar. I was literally blown away when I sipped it. I was like, this is the <laughs> smoothest, most delicious vodka I've ever had in my life. So there's an ad. Uh, wait, who pushes this? Diddy. Diddy. All right, Diddy, if you're listening, which maybe he is. You know, we got a lot of listeners now. Um, yeah, man, throw me some throw me some money. I'll, uh, I'll keep uh, talking about your drink. So anyway, before we get to that story, which I do want to hear, I'm going to crack this. I'm going to get a little bit and get started. My North Dakota days, I used to take about three quarters of a bottle of a, of a whole fifth every night, just drinking it and not even realizing until it was just a quarter of it left. I'm like, oh, 
I just drink a lot. Of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's dangerous, man. Yeah. That's funny. Well, if you want to pour yourself some and let me know uh, what you had on your mind. Oh, wanted to talk about some stereotypes. So my first Christmas at the job, my first Christmas, mm-hmm. it was me, Colin, and Johnny on the truck. And these are guys we work with. We uh, are both trash men. Well, I've graduated to the fact that I can't run behind a truck anymore, so I drive <laughs> brand yeah. new, uh, you know, buses butt on the back. Anyway. Yeah, I'm still in the back. But me and Johnny were on the back. You know, he's graduated to a driver. But um, it was all of our first Christmas. We were like, you know, we were just telling each other what we're going to, you know, do for ourselves. We weren't even sure, you know, Christmas happens like it happens. Yeah. Cause just to, not to interrupt again, but just to let you guys know, um, Christmas time for trash men. We put up with a lot of stuff. We stick our hands in a lot of poop. And we pick up a lot of dirty diapers and all of the dirty things you guys put in your bathroom, trash bags that you never tie up. Trust me, they're often on the ground and we're picking it up bare hands or maybe crappy gloves with holes. Uh, so Christmas time comes around. That's why most of us do it is because a lot of people show their thank you by tipping us. And if you have a lot of houses, it makes a big difference. So Christmas time is is uh, our favorite time of the year. <laughs> but anyway. Definitely. Ahead. So we're, we're talking about what we're getting. So, of course, Colin being Colin. He says he wants to get a truck. And I forgot what else he said, but that's not even important. So he asked me what I'm getting. I tell him I'm getting me a gold chain, <laughs> some rims, and putting a studio in my basement. <laughs> Knowing that you said this is a stereotype, <laughs> I know where it's going, so it's already funny. <laughs> now, me and Johnny knew I was, you know, I'm just messing around. Yeah, yeah. But he thought I was dead serious. <laughs> You're really going to do that? That's something? <laughs> That's funny. Man. Yeah, dude, Christmas time, I, I swear, all year round, anytime I want something, I'm just like, that's a Christmas gift, that's a Christmas thing, I'll save it for Christmas, and then Christmas comes around, and then usually something is needed. Never get it. Never get it. But it's always there when you need it, so that's always good. Well, I've tended to use the majority of it to give gifts to the family. That's nice. I like seeing a kid smile on Christmas Day, knowing they got everything they wanted. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Dude, um... This is a personal question, but I'm just curious. As a kid, because you mentioned that, mm-hmm. um, did you have that same experience when you were a kid, or was it the opposite and you're trying to give that to I had kids? it. You did? Okay. I did. That's I cool. definitely had it. I got. I was always told I wasn't going to get it, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I knew I was going to get it. Like <laughs> <laughs> A Super Nintendo came out. There better be a Super Nintendo under the tree. And what they did was they never put it under the tree. They waited till I opened everything else and like, oh, there's one more. I'm like there, there's got to be something else. And you know, then that, that's when they pop out with it. Hey, here yeah. you go. See, I should do that when my son gets a little older and see how he acts. And if he goes and gives me some attitude, like I see on some of these kids on YouTube, then that's right. That is everything, and that thing goes right back to the store. <laughs> That'd be a good way to figure that out. That's funny, dude. Christmas is a good time, dude. I think about it all year. It's it's just so funny how every year I'm like, I got all these plans, and then it's just gone. I do buy myself a gun every year. Oh, really? I do like to do that because guns are expensive. I have mm-hmm. expensive taste. I can't afford even my most expensive taste. Most of the guns I really want are upwards of like ten to $20,000, uh, mostly because they're full full auto. 
um, which isn't illegal if you didn't know that. They're not illegal. They're just for the wealthy, as a, as many laws, you know, come to be true. Mm-hmm. You know, things are, are different for some people than others, even though most people think that it's illegal, it's not. Did you know that? I thought that you would have to buy a, buy a semi-automatic mm-hmm. and then modify it yourself. That would be a felony. Really? Yeah, well, I guess you could do the right... It would still cost you the same amount of money. So I have an AR-15, mm-hmm. which is um, easily modified into a fully automatic. Mm-hmm. If I wanted that to be fully automatic, I can easily, I'm sure, find the parts or modify it myself and make it a full auto. Uh, I would be a felon at that point, you know, or I, I would be committing a felony. What I also could do then is buy the parts legitimately, and then that part, because it's so expensive, I would need a tax stamp for it, and the tax stamp is what drives the price up. The guns don't actually cost, for some of them, the guns don't actually aren't the things mm-hmm. that cost a lot of money. It's the other part. Um, actually, you know what? I could be incorrect. I, oh, I'd have to buy that part mm-hmm. um, predating the automatic weapons ban, was back, uh, which was back in the Reagan administration, which for all the conservatives that love Reagan, you should look into that. I'm not bad-mouthing them, but that is one of the biggest things that pisses me off with the Second Amendment uh, that they did. But the thing is, so every full auto uh, before that, was grandfathered in to be able to be owned. So anybody that has a lot of these guns that are full auto out there mm-hmm. that are being traded around, they're predating. I, I forget the date. I, th- I want to say it's like the seventies, but um, they're they're old. So a lot of times people will find old guns, like an old Tommy gun or something mm-hmm. else, and they'll take the piece, and that piece is, that is what actually is registered as the fully automatic weapon, and you can get a tax stamp to purchase that, and which is insanely expensive, and then put that into a different gun or into like a, you know, the same thing. But, um, like there's a shop, uh, real close to where we work, uh, called Raft Tactical. Love it. Great spot. Uh, he deals with a lot of fully automatic, uh, stuff. And there's a lot of guys with money around our spot. I've been in there a few times watching them talk about trading stuff, but like they had, um, uh, was it like a Mac 11 one time I was in there? Now I got a fake Mac 11. Oh, that's like cool. Yeah. That's like the kind of stuff they have, like the MP5, Mm-hmm. Uh, ever since the days of gold and I, that's why I want the MP5. I love it. It's my favorite gun, but I'd be looking at about 20 grand if I wanted it. But most of it is like the tax stamp and the fact that it predates and it's grandfathered in. So the, the price went from, that was probably a couple hundred bucks when it came out to mm-hmm. as soon as it got banned. Now well, wouldn't that just thousands. be simple inflation now? No, it's beyond that. It would be like, <laughs> it was like instant inflation Okay. And it's it's still going up. I mean, it's an investment. You buy something like that, it's it's almost similar to well, obviously it's a gamble, but it's very similar to just having the money in your savings account. Artwork. Yeah. Well, artwork and the fact that they're I mean, they get destroyed. You know, they're old. Mm-hmm. So every time one breaks, you know, the value of the, all the rest go up. So or any, you know, it's lost or something like that. Or dad passed away, didn't have the paperwork, and now you gotta give it to a, a museum or ask the museum to hold it for you under a contract that if you are able to obtain the paperwork or legally get it, that they'll give it back to you. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it, but it really boils down to, to money. If you got the money, you can get it. Well, I knew a guy when I was in North Dakota. His obsession was guns. All he did was buy gun parts. That was his sole thing. He just bought gun parts and put all of his guns together. And he said, you know, he'd give references to certain guns. You know, this one jams. This one doesn't do this. This mm-hmm. one doesn't do that. He yeah. said, I'd rather just buy the parts, put it together myself, so I know exactly how it works and how it's supposed to work. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, usually the first time, the second I get a gun, the first thing I do is take it apart. I want to rip everything apart. I'm usually going on YouTube to mm-hmm. make sure I do it properly. Um, 
and just finding everything about it, you know, how to, how to break it down properly. And then like, like a quick breakdown to clean it. And then like a full breakdown, like really getting in there. Uh, but mostly so if something does happen, I know what's going on. I know mm-hmm. what every component does and it's fun. It's a hobby. Um, actually most of my cleaning stuff for the guns is right here. This is usually where I do it. Um, yeah, dude, I enjoy it. Um, do you have any guns? Are you gun, a gun guy yourself or? I was up until my last my last gun I had, I want to say 2014, 2015. Mm. And it was a police issue nine. And it was in the back of my car in the trunk. Car broke down. Somebody sideswiped it while I wasn't there. So I came back. My trunk was had about a inch gap in it so it didn't close all the way. Very dusty roads. Mm. So... Just being in the trunk, it ended up getting extremely dusty. Took it apart, cleaned it off, put it back together, went out in the woods, shot it off a couple times. Go back in the house. Next thing you know, police are knocking on my door. And what state was this in? North Dakota. Okay. Um, I'm asking, like, yeah, what's wrong, officer? Well, we had a report. Somebody felt threatened up the street, said... They heard a gun going off. I'm like, yeah, that was um, that was me. Cleaned out my um gun. Shot it off a couple times, make sure it was back in its working order. They said, well, um, you're under arrest. Asked him why. He said because it. They tried to give me a felony for it, reckless endangerment. And I said, what well, was reckless or in, in, endangering? He said, well, it could have. Especially if they're not there. Yeah, because I shot it into the ground. He said it could have been a rock in the ground and ricocheted and hit somebody, so you're under arrest. Now, I know here if I do something like that, or even like my brother's house backs up to the woods, if I were to shoot a gun there, mm-hmm. um, there's not enough distance between me and other houses, and I'd be arrested. Were you, like, how, how what was the distance between you and, like, a, a neighboring home? Five, six hundred feet. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. But I wasn't nowhere close to the house. I was back yeah. in the, because it just went off in the vast nothingness into the woods. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, they arrested me, took me in. And I had a roommate at the time. And he said the guy that called the police seen me doing it. He pulled up, like, to the guy that I was a roommate with on a four-wheeler with a rifle strapped to his back. You know, I just wanted to make sure you were okay. We just seen a um, suspicious-looking guy back there shooting off a gun. Wanted to make sure you were okay. He's like, yeah, that's my roommate. You know, he's he's in jail now because of that phone call you just oh, made. Oh, this was afterwards? <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like he was trying to be a nice guy. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, obviously, you weren't happy about the situation. I'd be furious. I personally think he's seen a black guy with a gun. Yeah, I mean, that could have definitely been it, too. Because there were... I've probably seen 10 other black people there. And the weird part was, six of them were from Delaware. Which is where you ended up. That's where I'm from. Yeah, Joe... Speaking of Delaware, it's Joe Biden's home. I know. Did we have this conversation? We did, what, about the gunshots the other night? Oh, no, not that one. Well, not before we one. do that, wait, so what happened? So you said they tried to get you at a felony? Yeah, they tried to. But so, I, I got a lawyer 
completed down to a misdemeanor. And um, the deal was I take the misdemeanor, pay like $1,300, and I just leave the state. Like, I'm gone. I'm going back home. Like, yeah, I don't need to be out here anymore. Yeah, no, I hear you. You know what? That's starting to ring a bell. I think you told me this story a while back. Is that flipping up or are you just holding that to be comfortable? By the way, I just, want to make sure. just making sure it can be okay. near me. I just want to make sure I'm you're moving. not holding that forever. No. Talking about the, the mic. If you listened to my last episode, you know that with Jamie, the, the mic was trying to escape him. Uh, I think I tightened it down good this time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, dude, that, that's, that's lucky you got off on a felony, man. Because felonies, I mean, nowadays, especially with everything that's happening, a lot of people are, you know, buying guns. You got record... Uh, first-time gun purchases uh, just through the roof right now. Um, and I think a lot of people are finding out that a lot of the, the things that they voted on, a lot of the laws they voted in and politicians they voted in, you know, and the gun legislation they thought was to protect them, they're now fighting against it as law-abiding citizens, which has been a concern for a lot of people right now. So mm-hmm. I think it's been a big eye-opener um, during, you know, everything going on this year uh, to what, you know, what a lot of us were screaming about before. With a lot of the legislation, well, with restrictions. This particular legislation, legislation, I think we we agree on with guns, like want my right to own a gun. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the sad parts about politics nowadays because there can be issues that you agree on, but it might be on the other side of the aisle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's two parties, red or blue. Yeah, You're, you got to be. It's hard to be in between. Yeah, it is. Like, even, um, I don't even like saying I'm Republican. I don't feel like a Republican. And I deeply, I don't want to say hate, but probably hate. Let's just say hate. I hate. <laughs> I hate most Republicans. I hate most Democrats. And I'm talking about the actual politicians themselves. Mm-hmm. I really don't like them. Mm-hmm. But it's politicians in general I don't like. I don't like the games. But, um, even with that, like, you know, a lot of policies, I probably would be labeled pretty heavily conservative. Mm-hmm. But it gets to the point where, like, I've seen eyebrows raised when I say something that is, like, maybe something the left says or, you know, once. And I'm like, yeah, I actually agree with that. I don't agree with the way that you get there. Mm-hmm. But I think that's actually something we should fight for. And a lot of times eyebrows get raised. But, you know, I, I usually talk through it. I, I won't just let that happen and dismiss mm-hmm. it. I usually will say something like, you know, I don't know, something along the line. Like, trying to get deeper into the situation. Because, you know, I, I don't want anything to, I don't want anybody to be like that. And any part I can have in trying to dismiss that uh, mentality, I will do. Uh, and I'm not the smartest guy, as we, you know, we were talking before we got this started. Yeah. You know, I, I often will have these conversations, and a lot of times they end up on Google and we're searching stuff. And most times, depending on how far we disagree on an issue, you know, you're looking for the answer to what you're trying to prove, and you can find it. In fact, we'll both find the answer yeah. to what we're trying to prove, and then it doesn't prove anything, except that there's a lot of fake news out there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like today, like we have, I have, like I said, I had one thing up. It was just something on Trump's website. It was just in case anything came up, mm-hmm. I have uh, just DonaldTrump.com up and it's on, you know, it's got all of the things that he's running on and like promises that were kept, you know, things that he's done over his first four years. Uh, and it's all broken down into like different sections. So if you education or military, anything like that, we can, you know, break that down. But, um, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard. But I mean, even that. So that's like the only thing I have pulled up. Like, I don't want to come here and throw in facts at you and trying to outfact you or get outfact myself. Like, I have numbers in my head from things I listen to, but that's about the extent of it. My thing about Donald Trump is, I'm not going to say I don't like him because I like him, but as an entertainer, because I think he's very entertaining. And you know, I'm not a hundred percent on all his policies and everything, but. I don't like his delivery a lot of times. 
for him to be in the position that he's in, I don't like his delivery. I think you'd find that you probably have that in common with a lot of Trump supporters. Um, I would say you probably halfway have that in common with me. I feel the same way, mm-hmm. but not because it personally upsets me, but because you know someone like yourself would say that. And so I don't think it's necessary. A lot of people think he needs to do that, and like a lot of people are, are voting for him because of that. But I don't mm-hmm. think that's the case. I think maybe there was a lot of people in the you know his first term, but this year or this this election, I don't think that's the case. And I think that's why he has tightened himself up quite a bit. Um, I know he still goes on his little tweeting rampages. And I, I refuse yeah, to go that, on Twitter. That's, that's weird. I think it's a mess in general. I actually follow him on Twitter. Just... Do you? You got a Twitter? Uh-huh. What's your Twitter name? You want if you want to share that with people in case they wanted to find you. I actually, I think it's just an alien face. I don't even know how Twitter works. Is there like, like what's your at? Does it work like that? I think it's just an alien face. Like I've I've been (laughs) on there since it's been around. Oh, that's Oh, like that's literally your thing. (laughs) That's crazy, dude. That's funny. Like the alien face emoji. Nice. All right. Well, alien face. Go follow him. Oh, you just exposed yourself. Now they know who you are. Yeah, it's it's his delivery, and a lot of times when I see tweets from him, mm-hmm. I'll go on there just to look to see if he really said it. Well, there's a lot of fake yeah, screenshots yeah, and like lot. fake accounts that are like one you know one letter off. I see those screenshots floating around all the time. So, yeah, it's fake news, man. And I'm like, no, he really he really didn't say that. And sometimes it's like, oh, he really did say that. Yeah. Something, all right, so, like, and the thing I was saying, too, like, I, I get more upset about it because, you know, you're somebody that's on the opposite of the aisle, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, like, a, I'm a huge fan of Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't in the beginning. I was actually a Ted Cruz supporter, and then it was actually before Ted Cruz dropped out, I started really switching, and, like, I still wanted Ted Cruz, but I was really glad that Trump was running because I liked that he was kind of spitting in the face of, like, the, the good old boys club that politics mm-hmm. had become, and I thought... For sure, in my heart, I thought there's not a chance he actually is running. He's throwing a wrench in the system, which is what a lot of people are saying. I thought that that actually yeah. makes a lot of sense. He's having fun. He's doing this and that. And then he started tightening up what he was, you know, promising. And, and I started noticing it wasn't just ranting. He he rants, but a lot of the same points were being made. And I was like, wait a minute, like something something's going on here. And like, and I started seeing like his his presence on the internet growing. And then I went to a rally when he came to uh, Delco. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is this is amazing. Like, I was, I was really into the people I saw there and the things he was saying. Now, I'll be honest. Like, when I was even when I was there, mm-hmm. I mean, I was I was pretty close to him up front. Dude. I was so pumped to see him. But there were a few, I'll just say cringy moments, things he said where I, I wasn't upset by them myself. But mm-hmm. I knew how they were going to be taken, whether it was out of context or just he was being funny to his base. Um, I just had wished that didn't happen for that reason alone. So I guess it comes down to like, if, if it was up to me and he would listen to me, which mm-hmm. he has no reason to, but if he was to listen to me, <laughs> I would say, please get off of Twitter. Please get off of all this stuff because you're your own worst enemy. But not because it personally upsets me. I just want to be clear about that. Yeah. It's because it upsets other people. Um, but it's interesting. A lot of people think he's like the first president to do this stuff. Um, you know, uh, Obama was like the social media president. He was like labeled that. He was the guy who really pushed for that and made it so that it was like this direct connection between politics and the people. Well, he's the first one that was in office when it really yeah. came around. Yeah. But he you was know, also it, a lot, I mean, he was a lot cleaner was, about it, too. Yeah, like, it was Bush's last years, maybe, when mm-hmm. social media really started hitting. Yeah. But um, with Trump, it's not necessarily that it offends me because I find it kind of entertaining. 
Like, <laughs> this guy's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I look at it more as not even necessarily to the U.S., but to the international stage. Mm-hmm. I don't like how we're looked at because I don't like the way we're looked at because of the things that he says. Yeah. And I think he kind of rubs people the wrong way. There's a way to talk to certain people. You you have to know how to conduct yourself in certain rooms. Mm. And I don't feel like he does that. See, I guess with that point, for me, as mm-hmm. a Trump supporter, I don't really care what other countries think of us, to a degree. I don't want them to flat-out hate us for our morals. Um, but if they hated me because, or they hated my country, or badmouthed my country because of the way our president spoke... I guess if it would really boil down to it's none of their business because mm-hmm. they don't live here. It doesn't affect them. I get that it would upset people, and I don't like it, but it doesn't upset me to the point where I would dislike Trump for that. Uh, my concern is more towards the people in this country because I, I know we talk about this a lot, but I, mm-hmm. I truly believe, and I'm, I'm coming as somebody who hated politics most of his life, not even knowing what anarchy was. That's what I wanted to, to be. That's what I wanted. I wanted to watch the world burn. I, I thought it was... Thought it was the end of the world when I was a teenager, you know, just because everything's so much more exaggerated when you're a kid. Um, but a lot of the music I was listening to, probably Eminem the most, you know, listening to him. Like, seriously, he, he got very political, like, uh, you know, when, when Mosh came out and a lot of his other music. Uh, I forget what album that was specifically. But I got a lot of my politics from Eminem as a really? kid. Yeah, it was like probably the biggest influence on me with politics. It's funny because of where he is now, where mm-hmm. I'm at. It's like, it's so, you know, opposite ends. Um but I think that happened because I was, I guess I was being indoctrinated to somebody's beliefs, you know, mm-hmm. by listening to that and, you know, rocking out to, to his music and, 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 you know, memorizing his music and like really getting into it and the, the politics of it. And I liked the fact that he was flipping off, you know, the, the president and this and that. And he was kind of giving a finger to the, to the system and to the man. Um, and then I guess the more I looked into things, the more I started seeing things from a different view. And then, you know, you know, the first paycheck that gets taxed, changed my mind on taxes and all these other things that I ha- had happen. And even experiencing, po- you know, low levels of poverty as a child um, and then, you know, waves of poverty as an adult or a young adult. Um, so I've experienced both ends of the system. I, I, I guess the only thing I could say I really haven't experienced is being left alone out to dry without anybody. I've always had a good support system. A lot of times I would dismiss them. I, can, I did have a backup plan if I really wanted help. I can definitely say the same yeah, thing. Which a lot of people don't have. Um, so in that case, I haven't experienced everything. But I feel like I got a good grasp on different views of life. Um, almost all my friends when I was living in Philly were left, you know, leaning, like mm-hmm. heavily progressive. Uh, which was never an issue because I never brought up my politics. I didn't think it was a concern of anybody's. And I would have conversations. It was funny because I, I never changed my views. But when I... When politics started becoming more mainstream and a lot, you know, it was kind of, you know, through social media where everybody talked about it and everybody was an expert yeah. on everything, um, I would say something that I, I had been saying for years, but now all of a sudden I used the trigger word or I used a term that can't be used anymore. And, and I'm not even talking about really offensive yeah, stuff. There, I'm talking there's a lot of those. Level. Yeah. I, and it was like Facebook just exploded on me and it would be like, you know, and the same, same things you see now when they cancel people. I was getting canceled on a low level. You know, I'd, I'd post something about abortion, not even trying to piss people off. I just, I, I was, I found, like, there was this one in, in particular, I found a fact about how many people were 
uh, well, how many babies were aborted each year? And I was like, that can't be real. I looked it up. It was real. I posted a picture of it and then went about my day. It was really not to piss people off. That just Mm -hmm. is not my nature. Um, And then I go back on and my phone's blowing up and I see there's like, uh, you know, reaching a thousand comments or like, you know, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments and it's a bunch of people tagging other people and then those people coming on. So it's like, and my stuff is all public. And then I saw, you know, people from my church who I didn't talk to at that time, you know, they were still following me and keeping up, you know, worried about me because I was, you know, a mess at the time, you know, with drugs and party, whatever I was doing, you know, criminal activity. Um, so they were commenting on it and then they were getting ripped apart and people were going after some of those people. And I'm just like, this is insane. So I started going on and commenting and this is before I'd seen anything like this. Yeah. I was trying to comment and like get back to some people and like, you know, Hey, that's not, you know, I was going after Hey, this is not, you know, this is, this is crazy. Like the way you're talking to me and I'm going through the comments and these are people I've known for years, close friends. Like this one guy was calling me like the, the Taliban of like the Christian Taliban. He's, or he said, you're worse than the Taliban because you claim to be Christian or something like that. It was like insanity. Like the stuff that were being said, like said, so this had to be pro-choice. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'm complete. If we talk about things about being different, different sides of the aisle Mm -hmm. or things that we can still conversate about and things we can't, the one thing that I refuse to waver on, and I'm not saying I'm right, Mm -hmm. you know, into your face, like, I don't know what your stance on this, but I wouldn't tell anybody they're wrong about it. But in my heart, I do believe that I do believe that, Uh, abortion is probably the most disgusting thing in our society today. That being said, I have a legitimate heart for people in bad situations. I just don't think there's any situation I've ever heard that's enough of an excuse or a reason to perform an abortion or where I would be okay with it. It, To me, it's the most disgusting thing on planet Earth. Now, But I don't feel that way about the people doing it or having it done. It's really a separation there. It's it's more my heart is broken over it. It really hurts because I do believe it's a life... And I do believe that we're killing it and doing it in such a way that we don't have to look at it. I feel like it's a gray area. I feel like it's a very gray area. Because depending on situations and things that are happening, it's no telling you know, what that person is going through. Where What happens with that life down the road? Mm-hmm. You know, are you even bringing, are you bringing it in into a life that it can, it can strive where it ha- even has a chance? Mm-hmm. You mean like medically speaking or just in life? Well, medically speaking and in life, because in life you might be bringing it into a situation where there, there's nowhere to go but down. Well, tell me this. Have you ever had bad times in your life? Like, really bad. Like, really dark. Specifically in your childhood. You go through... I mean, you don't have to tell me what it is if you don't want to. But I haven't. Ever, no? Well, let me give you my example that I that I like to bring up. And again, this is there's people that go through way worse. But this is something that I try to think about. I was sexually abused multiple times. We moved a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I, I there was something about me that was easy prey. And I was abused by multiple people in multiple towns. Wherever I went, I felt like that was what was happening. It even got to the point where a friend and I, who were drinking one night, um, I passed out, and the friend abused me. I, it was a different type of abuse. It was probably the biggest betrayal of my life, um, and really weird. Messed me up, and to be, if I could be honest with you, I confused me sexually for a long time. I didn't, I wasn't gay or anything like that, but I, or like outwardly gay, but I was really confused. It re- it, it messed me up to the point where I. I I don't know how I ended up where I'm at now. 
but I try and think about people. I, to me, that was the worst thing I've ever experienced, uh, having to hold that secret. So I try and think about an example. I'm going to make up somebody, but somebody who was not aborted and born into a situation where their own parents were doing that for their entire life or something. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's probably one of the most horrific things I could think about for a child. Maybe you can think of worse. But for, for now, the time being, let's just think of that. At some point, despite how bad that kid's life is at that time, if they grow up to be an adult, there there is an end to it. There might not be an end to the pain they experience, but none of us you know, are promised an end to the pain we experience. So using that as an example, I don't think that that person's life even though they're born into something horrible, that that horrible thing that's happening to them is reason enough to say that they should not have a life at all. I don't think that's our say. I think if anything, I'd be more, I, I don't agree with this, but I'd mm. be more inclined to agree with the fact that that person has a right to commit suicide and that, you know, it was understandable for them to do so. It would be, again, horrific, sad, yes. a horrible situation, but that would be their choice, whether it be, you know, during a confusing time where they're not thinking straight or emotional. Uh, that being said, it, it was something that they did rather than us making that choice for them because, you know, through life we all go through things and I would never want an outside force um, to come in and tell me how it's going to end or that I shouldn't even try before I, you know, this is totally different, but if I was to go out and do a business mm-hmm. uh, during, you know, with something that's, you know, hard to, hard to succeed in, that would be like telling me we're not going to pass, you know, your, your, Business license. Business license because you're not gonna you're not gonna win. Not like hey, this is gonna be harder. You need to bring more money. We're, we're just flat out telling you no. No matter what you do, mm-hmm. just the fact that we don't think you're gonna do well in this business, we're gonna tell you no. Well, at what point do you consider it an abortion? That's a tough question. Uh, I, and I think that's where the gray area is. I would like to say much sooner than I'm about to say, but mm-hmm. I'm not fully convinced of it. I I'm uncomfortable with all of it. Okay. Let's say that. And I could be wrong on this, and there's probably a lot of pro-life people that, you know, mm-hmm. feel the same way as I do up until this point. So I don't like any bit of it. The only I'd say some people get upset with, like, Plan B or even prophylactics. That stuff does not bother me at all. I don't... I believe that life does start at conception, but I'm not bothered or heartbroken if somebody took Plan B or if somebody used... Um, some other form at that early of a stage, like mm-hmm. the day after, you know, they, they had sex. So I guess where it starts to really bother me to the point where I think it's worth screaming about would be a heartbeat, uh, nervous system, things like that. Uh, but at what point do they get the heartbeat? Let's look that up to be sure. Earlier you said that you felt like I was about to start a beat, so if you want to kill some dead time, <laughs> you're, feel free. I'll, I'll do a little beatbox. You can uh, rap I've a little bit. I've never wrapped a day in my life. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm not as fast as Jamie for all you uh, Rogan listeners. All right, when does a fetus have a heartbeat? Because I really believe, like, I don't know, I say the first month or two. Mm-hmm. And maybe not even the first month or two, but if you're pregnant and you don't even know, mm-hmm. and say it's been a month or two, mm-hmm. you know, the baby, I, I don't know if you're going to pull up that it has a heartbeat there or, or not, but... Well, let me tell you this, that way in case you mm-hmm. change your, your mind, you have this to go off of as well beforehand. 
It says a fetal heartbeat uh, may first be detected by a vaginal ultrasound as early as five and a half to six weeks. So that's just over a month um, after gestation. Uh, that's in the field. All right, this is going into other stuff. A heartbeat can be better assessed six and a half to seven weeks. So actually what this is saying isn't that's when the heartbeat starts. This is saying that that's when it can if be we detected. Get, that's when it can be detected from what we have now. And I'm sure there's other things that can see a heart beating before mm-hmm. we hear. I don't know. I don't know enough about that. But let's just say five and let's say five and a half to six weeks. So I'm sure that not every baby is the same. You know, if it says five and a half to six, that's a that's a seven day gap. Mm-hmm. So I think it's safe to say that there's probably enough room in there, wiggle room, to say that it could be seven days sooner or seven days later. Uh, and I'm basing on the fact that this is usually or may first be detected mm-hmm. um, as early as that. So who knows? Like I, I, if I guess it goes off of the fact that you're pronounced dead when your heart stops. So the opposite of that would be to pronounce life when your heart starts. And that's an interesting take on it. it and I can't even say interesting because it's a very popular take. I agree with it, but I also believe some people are ignorant to the point where they had no idea what was going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I sort of feel like a scumbag for saying this, but I think they have the right to choose whether or not they want to have the baby. Now, once you get into, like, what is it, like the, the other trimesters... Yeah. Now I feel like you okay. You could have done something earlier than this. Now you're just this, this is ridiculous. Well, so then you're not for all abortion. No. Are you no. aware of how late they go in some of them? Yeah. Or how it's done? And I I feel like that's that's weird. Like to I'm actually just I'm going to be graphic in case someone's listening and they don't know like I feel like if you wait that late, yeah. you might as well just give a baby up for adoption. Like yeah. you're you've already taken it this far. You might as well just cross that finish line mm-hmm. and, you know, if you can't take care of the baby, give it away. Sure. And there's plenty of people out here that can't have babies mm-hmm. that I'm sure would be willing to take the baby from you. Yeah. I would love to adopt. I was adopted at 16, which is very late to adopt somebody who's already set in their ways. And that was coming out of juvenile detention center into somebody's home. And I've always wanted to give back in that way. And mm-hmm. I tell my, you know, and my wife talk about it often. I'm usually bringing it up. I, I really do want to adopt to give somebody else that opportunity, especially somebody who wasn't wanted. You know, not every situation is the person couldn't handle the baby. But mm-hmm. I, I would love the idea of giving somebody who was dismissed of any value by the parent a home specifically. But any, you know, any yeah, but just to give a in general, just giving a kid an opportunity to not have to live his life through the system. Um, seems awesome to me. I, if I could do it financially, um, I'm down. Which, by financially, I mean really just however much it costs to do it. Which, I know there's also groups out there that will help financially mm-hmm. uh, families, you know, get that done as well. Uh, but, I mean, they, they go as far as to, like, I mean, at this point, and this isn't everybody, I think these are the extremists, but, I mean, these extremists are loud. You know, the squeakiest, is it, the squeaky wheel gets the, gets the grease? Mm-hmm. You know, we have these minorities that are screaming loud enough that people start to think that's the norm and they start moving towards that. And then next thing you know, now we have laws, you know, doing like uh, they were recently pushing in in Congress. I think it was in Congress. I forget exactly where it was, but um, they were pushing for the right to 
after a baby's born, born, mm-hmm. completely born, vaginal birth, C-section, whatever, that at that point, depending on the doctor's decision, and it could be even on the mental stability of the mother, that the mother alone would have the choice to set the baby in another room while they discuss whether or not they're going to help it, basically let it lay there and die. That I don't know if that actually got pushed. I know they were pushing for it, and there was a lot of people screaming for it and saying that's that's their choice. Um, no, that's I mean, just disgusting. Dude, they go as far as to when the baby is being born. It's called a partial birth, birth abortion where they will m- murder it. I mean, yeah, again, that, that I'm makes using, no sense. They will end the baby's life as it's coming out of the vaginal uh, canal. Kill it. Break its neck, you know, stab it in the head. I mean, that's that's like barbaric, dude. I, I really hope that if anything, like, because... The more we progress as a society, you know, the more we look back and judge those before us. Or it's hard, you know, it's hard not to. I, I try not to, but you know, we can look back at things that were done in previous generations and say that's kind of gross. You know, racism is racism is a big one nowadays. But at that time, it was probably for you know at some point in life, you know, or in in life even in this country, it yeah. was more of like a discussion like we're having right now, um, where it wasn't some barbaric thing in their view, maybe to some. But I mean, I. I just think it's gross, man. I think all of it's gross. Like even, even earlier on, like they, you know, obviously the woman isn't prepared to have, you know, to give birth. And I'm sorry, I'm sidetracking so much on this, but you know, if the woman's not prepared to give birth, you know, you can't fit a, a fetus th- down the virginal, uh, vaginal canal. Mm-hmm. So they will just go in as if it's not a real thing. And, uh, you know, use an ultrasound to, to view what they're doing. They'll, they'll send in these, uh, you know, these tools that'll go in and they'll, while the baby's, alive which i believe it's alive and people yeah. are arguing it's not we'll start just breaking it in pieces and pulling it out piece by piece i mean it's it's crazy it's crazy well don't get me wrong i do find that to be barbaric but there are certain aspects of society nowadays where i feel like we need to resort back to some barbaric ways especially the way society is it's it's fragile usually the weak win because reason they're weak is because of their backing they've never really had to go through anything they been able to step over people their whole lives oh you mean weak in the sense of like just didn't have to fight yes to get with okay yes and i i feel like that's that's really who runs our society the people that never really had to fight for anything they were given everything and that's led us to the point where we are now, because us as a whole really don't make the decisions. It's a very few at the top where they didn't climb to the top, make their way to the top. Well, there's there's a well, I guess some do. right? There, yeah, mean, there's a certain few like do? a like your Jeff Bezos or your um, Mark I'm thinking, Cuban. OK, I'm thinking of Ben Carson. You know, who Ben Carson is because Ben Carson has an amazing story, whether you agree with his politics or not. You know what he had to fight, you know, through to get to where he's at. I feel like one of the last things I said to you last time we talked was, "I don't like black Republicans." You did say that. <laughs> you know, I watched the RNC. Have you watched any of it the last few nights? No, no, I haven't. I've been, I've been pretty busy these past few nights. My oldest birthday was yesterday, so took oh, her out. Ten. Ten. Wow. Yeah. So took her out to do some things, dinner, probably have a little party later on this weekend. But yeah, I, I, I didn't watch the DNC either. Okay. The reason I brought that up is because there was a lot of black Republicans and I kept thinking about you every time one stepped up. 
Um, and I was loving it. <laughs> but but what was the... Th- and again, I'm not just trying to throw you mm-hmm. on the spot here. What was... I actually forget. What was the situation that was being brought up when you said you were you were watching some news and there was a, a black guy on there? He's a Republican. What was, it, what was the conversation? Um, it was the little boy that got killed a few weeks ago. The little white boy, right? On his yeah, bike? the little white boy that got killed. Okay. And and I'm only saying I'm only yeah making his race just because that's how you know the news is because portraying things. It, it was a black Republican on there, black Republican yelling, screaming, talking about if you're you're talking about justice for Breonna Taylor, why aren't you screaming justice for the little? Um, yeah, I forget. His uh, name call him yeah. Carmichael. Okay. Like, <laughs> like why aren't you screaming justice for him? And it was upsetting because. Everybody's screaming justice for Breonna Taylor because she hasn't had any justice. Mm-hmm. But the little boy, his his killer was apprehended in less than twenty four hours. So you know, I don't, I don't think it was right. I don't think it was a. I I think it was a heinous act, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you know. With the system that we have nowadays, his justice is in the process of coming. His his name, I just wanted to look it up. Um, his name was Kanan. I'm probably ruining his last name, but uh, he was five years old. His name was Kanan Hinant, H-I-N-N-A-N-T, in case anybody wanted to look that up. It was in uh, North Carolina. Yeah, I remember when you... Yeah, that, that's, that's right. That's why I wanted to um, ask you, because was, there was something that you had said about how you know, about no justice, and then there was no justice for a lot of these um, black individuals that mm-hmm. are being brought into the news or, or into the, the riots or protests, wherever they may be, you know, because it's both. Yeah. Um, because there's no justice. But, you know, this we got to remember, too, um, this started because of George Floyd. Yes. Who found immediate justice in the way that you were describing with this young boy, where the man was, the, well, all of them were arrested, you know. Um, but the, how long did it take for that to happen? For that it, man to be arrested? It took, it, it was maybe two weeks. Well, it was, I think it was two weeks before those official charges were were put out. But I do believe he was contained within his home until they figured it out. It wasn't just a, you know, he just shot somebody down the street and it was a murder. There was a lot more going into it and an outraged community. Now, would I have been happier if he was in behind bars during that time? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, that video, even though it went viral quick, it wasn't just instantly everybody knew yeah. what happened. So it did take time with an investigation to figure that out. And when they found what happened, you know, to be what they believed as murder, he was charged with it and brought in. Yeah, and I, I think we talked where you said that um, it might have been not even necessarily him leaning on him. That was the actual, that actually killed him. The cause of death. Yeah, this the is actual all new cause, stuff yeah, that's coming out now. The actual cause of death. But either way you look at it. It was a fentanyl overdose. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't change what happened. Yeah, we all it saw doesn't. Disgusting yeah, thing. what, like what that, he did, to be that, clear. like that's. Because we did that's, talk about that before. Yeah, just like, for anybody <laughs> listening, to be clear. Just or, you know, I wasn't him trying doing to defend that, it. Yeah, him, what he was doing was, that. that's just, you're here to serve and protect. What he mm. did was just disgusting. Yeah. Agreed. And I think the whole country agreed with that. Yes. Until the stuff all broke out. Now you got another thing that's got people divided and turned political, which is a shame. It's yeah, it, it's political and it's, I, I don't know, it, it's we're in a weird space right now. 
mm-hmm. a very weird space. That's why I like doing stuff like this. Like I think yeah. most of my podcasts I've done have been with people on the opposite side of the aisle, um, or most conversations I have like this because I I think we need to do more of this. More conversations it doesn't have to be some exciting conversation. It's just just a norm, yeah. this is like as normal of a conversation as we as we can have. Uh, you know, with differing you know, views, which you don't see much. You know, I think a lot of that is because you're not face to face. You know, if you and I didn't know each other and we had some of our views online, I'm sure if, if I was into comment sections and you were into comment sections, we'd be trashing each other left and right. I don't Which, really go in the comments. Well, sections. What's I said, if I was. I'm saying, like, that's, that's the way people are communicating nowadays. And it's like yeah, a faceless like, person who, you know, you think is disgusting because of your own predisposed biases towards them when, you know, I, I knew you on a personal level before I knew your politics. Yeah. You know, to the point where... When I found out your politics was when you were supporting Bernie and I lost my work hat and asked you how you felt about us cutting your hat in half so I can have half of it <laughs> <laughs> to put your money where your mouth is, which is, you know, I was just yeah. totally kidding, obviously. But um, I realized where your politics were. When you saw the color of my skin, you racist bastard. It wasn't the hat. It wasn't the hat. It was the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> it was the but glasses. Was just spit all over the mic. <laughs> Uh, if you for those of you listening, I, I I buy my glasses off of Zenny, which I'm gonna plug for a second because Brandon needs to purchase himself a new pair of glasses. I really do, and I keep telling him to go on Zenny. I hate how much glasses cost. I hate the fact that you're paying for a brand name. Uh, Zenny Optical is an awesome website. If you're listening, you need new glasses. I buy probably two pairs a year or one pair a year. Uh, I usually pay about twenty bucks, and that's including shipping. Maybe thirty bucks if I gotta do expedited. But it's like a couple dollars to have something engraved. I forget what it was. It was MAGA, right? Mm-hmm. And MAGA on the side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said, he's beyond a Trump supporter. <laughs> he loves Trump. <laughs> yeah. I did that more for fun than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at this point, man, I'm like, I wish I wish everything I was wearing said MAGA. Uh, about to piss people off, but just to open up conversations, man. I wish I wish I could just be a walking like conversation starter. But see, the thing is, a lot of people... They see MAGA now and they automatically assume that the person's a scumbag. Yeah. Like you're And I I mean I can't talk about what's going on now because there's litigation involved, but I mean you're well yeah. aware of what happened to me and that was politically motivated for the same thing. And it it was and I, I can see where I tend to look at things from both sides and I feel like what was what happened was very irrational. Mm-hmm. It never should have got to that point. You're talking about what happened to me, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like... you don't know, I was I was attacked. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, I feel you like can, that... You can listen to, uh, if you were interested in more of that, uh, I went to some more details on that on, uh, I think, episode two, the solo one. Anyway. Yeah, I feel like that's... You know, it, it's unnecessary. And I don't even think a conversation was needed there. It was just a, you know what? I don't have time to deal with this. I'm just going to go back here and do my job and just mm. but it let speaks, you be. It speaks to what you were about to say, though, about you know, people see that and they, they feel some sort of way. That is actually the reason I'm, I have no anger towards that man. I, like, when I, th- I mean, I'm not just saying that to, to seem humble. I truly, like from probably the day after it happened, mm-hmm. I had already fully forgiven him and not even just forgiven him. I, just, I wasn't mad. Um, I mean, I'm still dealing with repercussions of it, um, medically speaking, but as far as like emotionally... Uh, I'm over it between me and him, you know, yeah. uh, the way I view it is, and again, this is not justifying his actions, but my whole view on it is like in any situation, 
uh, you know, if somebody was to do anything like that to me, even again, I have to look at the world as a whole that we live in right now. And we live in a place where, you know, depending on your news sources, you either think I'm a guy that's, you know, out right up your alley or I'm an absolute bigot, racist, disgusting, you know, dirt of the earth or scum of the earth. And so obviously by actions taken, I have to assume the latter was, was predisposed of me. Um, and that's not okay. It doesn't excuse the person's actions, but... It doesn't. It definitely doesn't. It definitely... Situationally, I can't be so upset with him. If he just... If, if I was just attacked for no good reason, I'd be pissed. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But I, I've done things that are wrong in my life based on emotional reasons that were personal to me that had nothing to do with the person I wronged. And I never deserved any kind of special treatment for that, but I guess I can understand that we make mistakes because of other things that have nothing to do with the person we're making that mistake with. And so I tried to use that in order to see from his perspective, and I, I couldn't be too angry. It was funny. I had a, my buddy Ali called me up. Uh, in the hospital, I was in the ER, and you know, I'm talking with him, and he's he's telling me, man, like, just stop wearing the hat, please. Like, you know, he's he's trying to tell me things he's told me before, and mm-hmm. at the time, I was like, now, dude, I'm, I said, I'm super gluing it to my head, or something along those lines. I was like, never <laughs> taking it off. I was like, uh, this is this is why I wear it, not not for that, but like, is because of what's going on in the world. Um, and I and then I stopped wearing it for a while, and I'm now I'm getting back into it. But um, but I get what you're saying, man. And I I don't like that that happens. But I do like that when I do have a conversation with somebody or I do something nice uh, and I am wearing it, I like to think that there's people throughout my week or throughout the month that I interact with in a positive light that didn't like Trump or saw that hat and think to themselves, that's really weird. That guy is racist, but he just held the door open for me. Or that guy's a racist and he just gave me the change needed for my purchase or you know, something like that. Um, so I try and be on my best behavior when I'm wearing it. Not not to be fake, but just in general, being aware of what it represents to a lot of people and give them a different view, which is who I really am. I've noticed a lot of people nowadays lack empathy. Empathy is something I, I think a whole lot more people need to have because they really don't. They judge people just based off what they see and how they feel at the moment mm-hmm. instead of trying to look at the person and understanding where they can be coming from. Mm-hmm. And that you know that hurts. That hurts a lot of things: friendships, relationships. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Any kind of shit. Yeah. Partnerships. I don't know. I don't. I don't understand it because, like, I, I've really tried to go my whole life looking at things from multiple perspectives because I know, just mentally as a human, mm-hmm. my mind is already going to be biased. Course. from what I've been through and, you know, the things that I've done. So yeah. I always try to look in, you know, what's going through that person's head right now. And and I know you're being honest about that because one of my favorite parts about having conversation with you is often you'll ask me a question. Mm-hmm. I'll give my answer right away. And you'll just sit there. And you'll take it in. You're <laughs> real. Like you, yeah. Uh, there's people that just keep blabbing and talking, and I could I go on rants all the time. I wish I would talk less and think more. Uh, but you come off to me, and anytime we ever work together, as somebody who, you know, you'll you'll talk about talk of a storm if you mm-hmm. want to. But a lot of times when it's a more serious conversation, I've noticed that you think more than you talk, and I think that's a really good trait to have. And I think it's why it's part of why you and I can have such 
meaningful conversations about things that would make some people furious because it's not just a reactionary conversation. Mm-hmm. There's thought put into it, and it makes me be more reserved in my responses after you know after <laughs> we initially start because you know I you know I want to try and you know emulate that. That's funny because someone else told me that like two weeks ago said you always think uh-huh. before you speak, and that's the reason why I try to see where the other person is coming from mm-hmm. and try to understand where the person is coming from rather than the bash or, you know, just come straight at you like, mm, yeah, you're wrong. You're wrong. Mm-hmm. When in all actuality, there can be a happy middle, but just the way the world's set up right now, it's like you got to be on one side or the other. And actually, I've told my son this. My favorite color is gray. I like white. I like black. But I like the color it makes in the middle. Mm-hmm. Because there's always that gray area where, you know, it's compromise. Mm. I like that. Yeah. Everything doesn't have to be one way or the other. There's always a there's always a middle ground. Yeah. I think we're often, as you're saying, like with our perspective, and obviously mm-hmm. you're talking about the fact that we all have different lenses we see the world through, it's often hard to see the gray, you know, or we don't even know what shade we're on. We're just looking at the yeah. other side and assuming what shade they are. Um, but yeah. So to move on into one of the things I did want to talk to you about is that this coming election, um, you had said that you were voting for Biden. And we didn't get to talk about that too much. I'm curious if you still feel that way. Um, still plan on voting. And I'm curious if we can uh, get into that a little bit. I'm definitely voting for Biden. Okay. I'm not voting for Biden personally. I'm voting for Biden's team. And who's that? You mean Kamala the, or Democrats as a whole? Democrats as a whole. And Kamala, I feel like, I feel like she was put on the ticket. Because debating, I don't feel like Pence has a chance. And with with her attitude, like Trump is, <laughs> Trump might out-Trump himself. What do you mean by that? I think he might get irritated to the point where he says some things he should not say. It's possible. Definitely possible. <laughs> no, Trump, no, he wouldn't do that. Trump is like his own worst enemy. I, yeah, I swear if Trump was pulling the, a Biden right now and hiding in his basement, as they say, you know, not literal basement, but if he's mm-hmm. hiding in his basement, he would sweep the country. I, I believe that. Well, I but told... he doesn't, and he keeps doing things that, you know, as we were saying before, you know, causes people like yourself to dislike him. Um, and I think not even to a, to a degree that I can say I don't understand. Well, I told Johnny the other day, I said, um, he was talking about how he can't stand Biden. I was like, okay, well, so who, who's your favorite basketball team? The Sixers. Who's your favorite, um, hockey team? Flyers? Baseball team? Phillies? Okay, well, you always go for the home team, right? He said, yeah. Well... I'm in Delaware. (laughs) (laughs) I remember you saying it. it It's the home team. So I I was curious about that because I got to be honest. um, One thing that's really confused me, and I'm not saying you're wrong. It it Mm -hmm. just literally confused me, is uh, that black people, not as a whole, but largely vote Democrat. And that's always confused me because 
I know that they don't, they're not going around in white, you know, hoods right now and yeah. lynching people and killing them and voting against any kind of black right you could think of being completely racist. But that is their history. And when I view the Democratic Party, I don't view them as any different as that. I just see that they've gotten smarter. It, it seems to me that something that you'll hear a lot of people say is that the Democrats only care about black people when it comes time to vote. And I, I didn't, I always thought that, you know, I, I always heard it, but I never looked into it. But I think most of us have become so much more political in these last two elections mm-hmm. um, that we've paid attention a lot more. And I've really seen what people are talking about when they say that. It seems like black people are used as, and again, seems like, from my perspective, it seems like the Democratic Party uses black people as pawns to gain a percentage of votes that will push them over the edge, which it, you know, it's at 14% of the U.S. is black. So I'm not sure how much of a strategic advantage that gives. I'm sure there's a lot more into it as far as like, um, you know, the way districts are spread out and different things like that and states' values. But Well, I also think it's have, because of the way things are set up. We're living in a modern time where a lot more of the white vote is liberal. We're, we're working towards a more progressive democracy. And, you know, things such as gay rights and what else? It, it, it's a lot of even even weed. That can push a person to vote, to be like, you know what? They're willing to let me smoke. I'm going to go take that route. Mm-hmm. I forget what they call that, too, if you're like voting on one thing. I think it's like a one, it's a one-something voter. Um, I forget the term, but anyway. Yeah, there there is things like that. Like, abortion's probably one of those for me. If Trump was everything he is, but mm-hmm. was super pro-abortion and pushing for it, I'd dismiss everything else he said. Second Amendment's also like that for me. But... With him, you also got to realize, like, his thing, with him being a Republican, there's certain things that he might not even agree with, but he has to push because that's what his party is pushing. You don't think that Trump stands outside of that, though? And that that's why even many Republicans hate him? I do think that. I do. And I think he's very bold to do that because I don't think his politics are necessarily his views think there's certain things that he he pushes that might be his actual views but i don't think he cares for a lot of this stuff see that's where i think you and i are going to disagree when i see trump and the reason i i pulled the lever for trump Mm -hmm. was because he was the first person i don't even want to say politician even though technically he's a politician he was the first person i ever saw even running that not only did i really like Mm -hmm. the things he was pushing but i i believed that he truly loved this country and really believed in the things he was pushing. And I have felt that way throughout the past four years to where it was a huge surprise to me that I still feel that way because I've hated politics so much. Like I, I think the things he's pushing are truly in his heart. Um, and I have my disagreements with him. In fact, I think, uh, Donald Trump is not nearly as progressive on the second amendment as I, or not progressive as hard on the supporting the second amendment as I would like. Now he says he is, but I made him have different views on that. I don't think he's ever even owned a gun. Oh, I'm sure he owns many guns. Probably not a big gun advocate. I I always assume wealthy people have tons of really pretty guns. <laughs> that's the only reason. That's literally the only reason I said that. But why would he? He, he has no reason to ever. No. 
you're you're at the top floor of the Trump Tower. What do you really need a gun for? You you know how many levels you have to go to to get to you? He's yeah. like the boss. Like, <laughs> Well, that's like, you know, a lot of these Democrats that are pushing for gun control while they're surrounded by armed guards. They have a value in guns for them, but not for us. But going back to the whole thing, like, do you, I guess I'm curious, do you have a personal view um, against the past of the Democratic Party, or does any of that mean anything to you today? Do you see? I do. Yeah. There, there's curious. lots of things that I don't like about the the Democratic Party, things that have been pushed, where I see where it looked like they might have helped, but they didn't, mm-hmm. such as welfare laws, which have been proven to be pretty much propaganda to move black fathers out of the home, where the black mothers are now taking care of the child on their own. But here's the government saying, you know, go ahead and we got you. Oh, I can't believe you said that because me and you are going to agree 100% on that. And, and yeah, go ahead, I, go ahead. I feel like it's certain situations where, okay, it's needed, it's, it needs needed to be used as a stepping stone as opposed to a way of life. In a lot of cases, it's been used as a way of life. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like it, I don't feel like it should be used as a way of life. I feel like if, you know, you're getting assistance, get that assistance in an effort, the, ep- the the end goal should be where you don't need it. Mm-hmm. Well, and, that goes almost to like what you and I were talking about earlier, where like you and I had said that we both had a support system. Mm-hmm. You know, if I didn't have that, it is nice that there are support systems out there for people. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. But the goal is to get it on your own. Mm-hmm. And it's a mentality where... You're looking for this handout, so it's like, okay, if I do any better, I don't get this handout, which you can do a lot better if you just keep going in the direction you were going. So you believe that people should have, at some point, if they're able, should work for the things they have? Yes. I don't believe in the whole, that that phrase, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, because there's plenty of situations where people can't pull themselves up by the bootstraps. I do believe that, that that phrase gets overused. Yeah. I use that phrase, and I do believe you should pull yourself out by your boots, bootstraps. But I wouldn't look at you know, someone that's homeless with a mental disability, not even just drug use, but just mental, mentally disabled and has no way to take care of themselves on the street and go up to them and say, pull yourself up by the, boot, or pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Why aren't you working? Right? Yeah. That's not the mentality I would assume most people, because I've never heard that used in any term like that. So I think a lot of people feel that way. To where that saying gets thrown out in examples like what I just said, as if like, oh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, what about this? And then they use an example that I, I don't know anybody that would ever think that that term applies to that person. Um, I don't know if I fully agree with social systems that are in place today, but I understand the necessity of them. I do wish that people were more supportive of people and that we didn't, quote unquote, need the government to do these things. Like one one thing I often bring up in conversations is that the church um, mm-hmm. as a whole used to be the provider of a lot of these things that welfare now takes care of. And as the church falls apart, um, a lot of that stuff is unable to support a nation as a whole. Um, and that's just one example. And then now you have to have, you know, government assistance, you know, being voted in to fill that void of where the church once was or other, you know, other entities yeah. entities as well. And I'm sure there's plenty of uh, nonprofits or other organizations out there that are helping people too, but it's not enough 
to rid the country of it. It's not enough to do what, what welfare is doing. But yeah, I agree with you about that. You know, that it, that it does get abused and that it isn't, it was never meant to be permanent. I also feel like the people at the top, mm-hmm. like what I said earlier, the empathy to help the people under them. Now, just to be clear, because I follow a lot of accounts, a lot of crazy conspiracy theorists ones, mm-hmm. and a lot of times when, and, and I'm sure some other people listening do too. So when you're saying people at the top, just to be clear, not to nitpick, there are people who refer to the people at the top as like the Rothschilds and like these, you know, faceless yeah. groups. Are you talking about yeah. people like that or are you talking about the people we see day in, day out in, in politics? Just to Not even the people we, we see in politics. I'm talking about the faceless people. Okay. Because I feel like most politicians are pawns to with who's paying them. Do you know that a lot of those faceless people, you know, as, as we say, run everything? Yeah. Do you think that if those faceless people are really not for your best uh, way of life and more for their best way of life and controlling you and I, do you think that it's possible that they might have a heavy influence on what we see in the mainstream news? That I do. So then would it be safe to say that if we look at the mainstream news and see things that are pushed pretty heavily, that it's possible that that's what they want pushed, specifically the absolute hatred for Donald Trump? I don't feel like it's absolute hatred for Donald Trump, though, because I feel like it depends on where you're looking and where you're looking tells you it gives you the view that you want to see. Well, if you go to the mainstream news, CNN is the big one that gets pushed, um, Fox News, MSNBC. Those are like, let's just say those are the top three. Yeah. Can we agree on that? Do you yeah. have any other ones you want to throw in? Your local news, which I heard someone say the local well, news is the best news to watch because you get more of a a non biased opinion. They I think it they want to give you like the, that. They want to give you the little story about the kitten that got stuck in yeah. the tree and the firefighter went up there to get him. Yeah, like, give you a little feel good <laughs> before the doom and gloom. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it used to be like that. Uh, I don't think it's like that anymore. They're all owned by this, by these, I forget what it was. I saw this thing. It was showing like, um, different, like a breakdown of the companies. And I think it was, and again, look this up yourself. Don't take my word for it. Um, it was somewhere up in the high eighties, like let's say 88 different companies that owned the largest news organizations in the world. And now Mm -hmm. it's something like four, um, that are all, and that's all news. Like all mainstream news is owned by a, a very small group of people. So I guess the point I'm trying to push is we see, I, I, we see serious hatred for Trump. Yeah, I, I mean, even on the in Fox News, I, I don't, I don't watch them either. I really think a lot of it is fake news. I hate that Trump has used that word, and now people that don't like Trump think that that's fake news and it's of itself. But I think it's pretty easy to do a little bit of research and find out that you know whatever you want, you can find it, and that applies also to the news, which is not journalism. Um, and we're not talking about opinions pieces here. We're talking about like mainstream news, like. Uh, supposedly reporting the facts but i guess my my point is that if you do believe that which i actually agree with you that mm-hmm. these these groups are pushing agendas and and trying to control us as a society and they think we're sheep i don't think they think much of us i think that when i look at what the news is saying what uh, we're being told to think if by these mainstream news sources if i look at that i try and think okay well that's what if these people really are what a lot of us think they are um, that's probably their thoughts, you know? So if I watch the mainstream news and I'm getting constant hatred of Donald Trump where nothing he could do is good, like no matter what he does, it's wrong. 
then I have to imagine that he's pushing buttons in places that you and I also want to push buttons but don't have the ability to do. And I think that that is something that is waking a lot of people up to where they are voting for Trump and realizing that the positive press that a lot of Democrats get is Mm -hmm. because they are going in the, the direction that these faceless people want us to go. And into a a way that we're almost, I feel like people voting for Democrat at this point Mm -hmm. are digging their own graves and saying thank you for the glass of water, you know, that they're being given in between, you know, know, during breaks. I feel like the whole hatred towards Donald Trump and the mainstream, I, I think he did it to himself. Well, tell me this. If you never saw the news and had no social media and all you did was listen to Trump's policies... Despite let's let's forget mm-hmm. about the personal stuff that he says. If you were just to look at policies, things he's done, do you think that you would feel or that even, let's just not even say you, but you and and the and the people that hate him, do you think that they would really feel that way, or do you think that it has a heavy influence on us? Again, it's the way he says things, like the whole build the wall campaign. Like, I understand you you have to protect the borders versus certain things, but the way you're coming at it, you know, it, it's people over there that are coming over here just because they want a better life. This country was founded off of people coming over here because they want a better life. Do you Mo- want a better life than what you have right now? I do. Financially? Of course. Okay. <laughs> I, I do as well. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, and I, I'm sorry, I did I did mm-hmm. cut you off. That was rude. Um, we'll get back to that if you can remember what, what you were thinking. Um, but um, what would you rather have? If I was an employer, um, say I was an employer of, a, of a, whatever company A, mm-hmm. and company A offers you a job mm-hmm. at a ridiculous salary, right? Gives you literally everything you asked for. They said, "Hey, you tell us what you want." You wrote out a ridiculous thing of stuff that, you know, no, every other, there it goes, the, the mic's disappearing on you, that every other employer has told you no to before. And now here comes company A, and they're kind of pushing the limits of things you feel comfortable with. They maybe don't talk in a way that you feel comfortable. They don't value you very much. And, and that's a bad example, but mm-hmm. like maybe there's just some things that you don't like about the job, but... Mm-hmm. The things you care most deeply about, they're they're giving to you, and they're telling you, we're going to do this. You might not like the way we do it, but in the end, you're going to get every single thing you asked for. Would you rather have that, or would you rather have job B that says, hey, we really can't do all these things, you know, a lot of stuff you asked for, you know, we'll work towards it. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, we'll, let's hire you now at this significantly lower rate, but we're going to keep this file, and we really like what you put here, and they build you up, man, they make you feel good. They make you feel good. And they, they promise you, yeah, you can work towards this. You can work towards that. Yeah, we'll get you there. Whereas A is saying, we'll, we'll push for this immediately. And B is saying, we'll get you there, man. But they make you feel real good. Now, 10 years down the line, company B is still going to be giving you that same promise and never deliver. And company A, you're still going to be uncomfortable with the way they do it, but you got everything you asked for. Which job would you take? And this doesn't give an answer to what obviously I'm building up to, but I'm yeah, curious in that I, position. I completely got the analogy. Okay. <laughs> I completely got it. And I'm making that up on the fly, so hopefully that made enough sense for everybody listening. Well, what would you take? It's hard to say because it, it depends on the things that I don't like. 
Well, what if I told you that you'll never get what you wanted with Company B, but you'll always be promised that you will, but you'll never get it? That's That feels kind of personal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying that's... Yeah, I, I know, I know. That was a joke. I, no, no, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I actually didn't realize. I was like, oh, let me backtrack. No, no, no. Um, I would probably go with A for the simple fact... If you're giving me what I want now, that will give me the power to stop depending on you. You sound like a Republican. But I don't feel like Republicans give me... Oh, that paps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I have the cheapest beer I could possibly afford. Oh, no, I, I actually... I love it. Always have. It's been a... It's I been do a too, but it's, Okay. Yeah, it's been a go-to for, for quite a few years. Okay. Um. Yeah, if, if I can't see any progress with you saying, okay, you're going to get it now, why would I go with you? Well, because they're making you feel good. I have a problem with big business. Because I feel like the people at the top are doing everything they can stay at, everything they can do to stay at the top, yeah. stepping on the little people. Can you blame them, not for the stepping on little people, but can you blame them for wanting to hold their power? Because I feel like that's humanity. You know, the little power that you have and that I have, I don't want to do anything to lose that. And I'd have to imagine, Mm -hmm. no matter how high I go, that's always ingrained in me. I feel that way too, but at the same time... Not defending it, by the way. At the same time, I think once you get to a certain point, it should be like, okay... I'm good. Why shouldn't everybody else? You know, not everybody Sorry about else. That sound by the way, I thought I muted that. Oh, that's fine. Why shouldn't everyone else be able to get to where they're getting? You know, maybe not on my dime, but well, something I I had to take a, a swallow a big pill on was you know why don't I have this money? I looked at other people that are rich, and money is something I value, but it's not my driving goal. I watch exactly. a lot of sh- I watch a lot of Shark Tank. I think mine's just more, yeah. I think mine's is more freedom. Okay. Yeah. Same. The freedom to do what I want when I want. So, are you aware that most democratic policies are actually the opposite of that? That it's more about security over freedom, which our forefathers told us not to ever go for. They said I forget what the exact term was, but it was something along the lines of like, don't you know? Oh, it was um. It's not going to be word for word, but it was something along the lines of anyone who values security over freedom deserves neither. And we now have a Democratic Party that is pushing for security over freedom and saying, give up this freedom and we'll secure you here. Give up that freedom and we'll secure you here. And they keep making promises. They keep making that a job B promises. Mm -hmm. And I think black people to use as an example, not just not because yeah. you're black, but because that's that's a huge movement right now, the walk away movement, if you haven't heard of it, where black people are rising up and saying, you are, your job B. You've promised us this stuff every four years. We mm-hmm. believe you every four years. We vote you in every four years. And you look at the democratic cities of today and you can see what the Democrats really are pushing them, despite their their heart, you might find people that are in the Democratic Party, excuse mm-hmm. me, that really do believe the stuff they're pushing. I don't buy it. It's for they the have good to of be other there. people. Yeah, but you look at the results, 
And based on the results of what the Democratic Party has done, I don't know how people that aren't at the top can vote for them. And I'm not asking this to say, hey, you should vote for Trump right now. I just, I, I'm really asking this because I really want to know. I, I don't understand how you can choose B, knowing that in the past, everybody you know that went for B with those massive promises of eventually getting more money and more everything than A was offering you, but never actually getting any of it, you know, and these people are telling you, and you can look back at everybody else who's been at the job and, and you see nobody's ever gotten it, but mm-hmm. you're like, but maybe this time. What's the tipping point where you say, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not voting you in because you've done nothing for me. Unless you think that they've done stuff for you, which tell me I'm wrong right now. B is the party of Bernie. I don't even think that's I don't even think that's the case. And and well, see, Oh, you mean as far as like promises and things? Well, I mean well, Bernie's not, changed not, a lot. Not promises and things, but the um all for the things that Bernie wants because it's not necessarily it's not necessarily the typical democratic, you know, um, agenda. He wants to do things like get people in school so they can get better jobs and mm-hmm. make sure you don't go bankrupt because of because of health issues. Mm-hmm. Because I think those are things that are just ridiculous. Well, I actually don't dislike Bernie that much. I disagree with him on virtually mm-hmm. everything. I mean virtually everything. I don't feel that hatred towards Bernie. Mm-hmm. I actually believe that Bernie, in his heart, believes... He's a good I, person. Yeah, is a good person, and I do think he actually believes what I think is BS. I would, you know, if I was <laughs> being more blunt, I'd say I believe, yeah. I believe that he believes is BS. Um, but I'm not trying to be dismissive of someone else who believes that, so let's hold that back, even though I basically just said it. <laughs> um, but I guess, you know, you're, you're not voting for Bernie, though. You're voting for Kamala Harris who put a record amount of black people in prison for things that she had admitted to doing at the same time she was imprisoning them. I'm talking about smoking weed. We're talking about somebody who was gung-ho to push for the imprisonment and the extended imprisonment and sentencing of black individuals, Um, the same as Bill Clinton and Joe Biden as well. Even I mean, if you look back, I mean, he even called it the Joe Biden crime bill. Yeah, I've I've seen those records. what What I find to be confusing is that at a time when... Black Lives Matter is such a forefront in our society that the progressive movement is voting in Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. It seems like an, a no-brainer. Either I'm going to vote for Trump or I'm not voting at all or I'm voting for someone else. So I guess I just I still don't understand it. Well, I think that's a, a thing where you come into... It's pretty much gang territory. Because you have the progressives where it's Black Lives Matter. Then you have the conservatives where it's Blue Lives Matter and All Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And once you start stepping into that territory, you you got to think about who's backing who. Because the the All Lives Matter is, you know, we, we've had this discussion. Like, you know, you, you said you felt that way but you don't express it because you understand how other people feel. Yeah. And to, to clarify and, for people listening, because they, they weren't in that conversation. Yeah. I, for a lack of a better term, I, I would call myself an all lives matter supporter. Yeah. Because it encompasses all lives, which would include black lives, um, immigrant lives, gay lives, straight lives, conservative lives, democratic lives, all. 
all. And, yeah, and it's yeah. all lives. And but I, I'm not. It, it's such a trigger word. I don't. Yeah. Like to talk, I'd rather <laughs> it's, have a conversation. It's, it's definitely than use those terms. Yeah, it's definitely a, a trigger word. And you know, it's it's not necessarily a trigger for me, but I understand where the Black Lives Matter movement is at this point. It's you know we're the ones that have been under attack. We're the ones that have been you know, suppressed in certain forms of society. Mm-hmm. And we just, we just want a little equality. Like we want to be looked at on the same page as everyone else. You know, you have you, in- immigrants that come over here, they get these automatic loans to start businesses and things of that sort. And what, what party is pushing that? What? What, what political party pushes for stuff like that? I have no idea. Actually, I'm not even going to lie. Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is also pushing for people to just waltz into this country to now automatically be citizens. They don't want borders, which you said you support, to just come in here and get unemployment immediately, or not unemployment, to just go right on welfare. And we all know mm-hmm. a lot of immigrants, they can't get legal jobs, so they're getting paid under the table. Not all, but that's something and we you know, all experience daily. They probably come home with... A lot more than me and you probably yeah. do. Yeah, I I lived a I lived below um a home that had uh, it had to have like fifteen to twenty um Mexicans living in it, and I talked to them a few times and they said that they, they can afford to party every weekend. Yeah, well they they slept in shifts because not all of them could literally physically fit or sleep into the house at one time. So they slept in shifts and they all worked. So half of them worked at night, half of them worked at the day. They probably paid somewhere around fifteen to twenty dollars a month in bills. That's how many people were there, and I know because I lived below them, and my our rent was six hundred and something dollars. It was, but you it, know what though, that is a, a camaraderie. And I mean, a, that's a little off from what we were saying, but yeah, that that's definitely a camaraderie and a willingness to do something. A lot of people who were born in the U.S. are not willing to do, and I I I can commend. You know that the Mexicans that come over and do that and do the jobs that mm-hmm. we really don't, don't want to do. do. Now, I can actually agree with that, but it does get to a point where there are a lot of people hurting that do want those jobs, and those people who aren't able to get the jobs legally will take a smaller amount of money for that job because they're not paying taxes because they don't have a choice. But are you willing to do that work? I did, are you willing I did to that do work. that work? No, I'm willing to do that work for that wage. If if I was hurting and I mm-hmm. had no job, 100%. 100%. I, w- I don't want to stay there forever. But right. if I needed that job mm-hmm. to support my family, to support myself, to not be out in the street, I- I'd-, I'd clean crap with my bare hands out of a porta potty. I- I I'll do whatever it takes to survive. Yeah. When that opportunity is taken from me, that's a problem. That is a problem. And. You know, you and I have jobs. Yeah. We may disagree with certain things and have dislikes in our jobs, just like most people. But we have jobs, and we are we are well off as far as, you know, compared to some people that really have a lot less than us. I still feel so, like I'm under the poverty level. Well. Because I there, there was something I seen a couple years ago. You mean like U.S. poverty level, right? Because we are the top yeah. 1% in the world. Yeah. All of us. I'm saying... You know, I, I don't. I don't need to be filthy rich. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be filthy rich. That's not what I'm looking to do. I want to be able to go get my the oil in my car changed when it's time to go get the oil in my car changed and not have it screw up your week. Yes, I'm with you. 
I'm with you on that. I think most people would agree with you on that. Like, I just want to be oil change rich. Like, yeah. like <laughs> that's right. not, it's not ridiculous. No, I don't think it's ridiculous. But I think that uh, the way I look at that is, well, I'm able to afford a car that needs an oil change. So I'm already better off than a lot of people. Hmm. And, you know, my computer breaks. Well, I have a computer. Do you know how annoying it would be to have to go to the public library to use a computer? How many computers do you have? I, well, we are trash men. I have an excessive <laughs> amount of computers. I was about to say, like, I got computers and I don't even use them. We are, you know, we are constantly four years behind on, you know, every electronic as trash men. But we all, we have everything. I swear, that's the thing. Like, if you want to never spend money on electronics as a trash man and you're okay with being four years behind, mm-hmm. man, you're always going to be up. <laughs> well, the one thing I'm even always a a, ahead of is my phone. Yeah, that's that's to, me too. Yeah, that's... I, I, I laid that out with my wife and she agreed. I said, one thing, I, Jen, I said, I don't care what it costs. I said, I want the newest phone every year. But actually, yeah. this year, I might actually upgrade and stay for a while um, just because I'm starting to feel ridiculous. Maybe I'm just getting older and not caring as much. We'll see. I'm going to try it. And probably in one year, I'll be buying a new one. You know what the one thing is? <laughs> we'll see. As I've gotten older, that yeah. I, I really realize I don't care about people. Like I'm not. A, I don't. I don't like people. That's I don't funny like. You said that. <laughs> I don't like hanging around people. Yeah. Like it's. I maybe. literally just had this conversation yesterday with my brother. <laughs> I just want to yeah. go home, mind my business. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to deal with other people and their problems. Um. So what you just said is the basis of probably all of my politics as well as most, re- no, as well as most Republicans. Yeah. And I'm always, I'm not telling you that to, to sell you, but I'm telling you to let you know, like, cause there's a lot of misconceptions on both ends. Mm-hmm. And the more I talk to you and like my brother, who's like, wow, they left. Um, I shouldn't even say wow, they left. Cause he's, he's a free thinker. He just, well, and, and a lot of things. Anyway, mm-hmm. I don't want to get down that path, but a lot of Republicans, it boils down to leave me the hell alone. I just want to live my life. Mm-hmm. I don't want someone else to be in, you know, me living my life and voting in a way that I'm not messed with very often, if not always, will also be voting for the same thing that allows somebody else who maybe is getting impoverished or mistreated to also be brought up to a place where they can do their own thing. You know, those laws help everybody. And that's, that's the thing. Like, a lot of things you're saying in this conversation, you really do sound yeah. like, I don't want to say even Republican because I really don't like those terms, but it's, it's hard to have the conversations yeah. without using the words that help us understand further. You know, that's how language is. Um, but a lot of the things you're saying you want are what most conservatives, Republicans, or let's just say people on the right want. A lot of things you're saying are, are the, are the people that Trump speaks out to. And a lot of people don't get past the point of, I don't like the way he delivers this and they don't go into what's actually being delivered. They just don't like the way it's being delivered. You know, okay. if somebody was telling me I can get free filet mignons every week, but I had to stand outside while they threw it at my face, mm-hmm. I'd probably, if I, you know, the first few times I got hit in the face, just be pissed that I got hit in the face. But eventually I'd realize, damn, I got filet mignon. Yeah. You know, I I, I don't know. I guess it's right. a bad example. So here, here's an example of why um, most most blacks go for Democrats. A lot of the things in place... With the Republicans, mm-hmm. yeah. If you're if you're white, that sounds good. It sounds great. You know, you just want to be left alone to your own your own devices. Just mm-hmm. leave me alone. And with blacks, it's it's different because it's different hurdles that you have to go over. It's different stereotypes that you have to 
you know, you have to walk around, you're, you never really have the chance to not look over your shoulder because you never know what can happen. Just being black, just walking down the street. Hey, where, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Why are you doing this? And I heard an analogy a little while ago. It said, okay, slavery is always dismissed as, you know, like, get over it. You know, that was 400 years ago. Mm-hmm. So imagine playing 400 rounds of Monopoly. After every round, what you get, you have to give to your to, to your opponent. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can win, but everything that you do get, give to your opponent. Now, at this time, after those are over, they have everything that you've given them, everything that you still, you know, everything that they're still standing on. So they already are over you. Mm-hmm. You're down here, they're up here. So now they're like, okay, you can start keeping what you're, what you're playing. Another hundred years go by. It's, you know, mm, every time you start winning, it's like, eh, you know, we're going to change these rules. We don't really like that right there. Mm-hmm. You know what? Uh, you're coming up too much. Let me flip this board over. We're going to start that back over. And now, once we get to the point where I'm not going to say we're on equal footing, but once you're like, okay, now we can start playing by the same rules, mm-hmm. but you're starting here. You're, you're, you're starting from the beginning, but I still have everything that, that you took from me. Yeah. yeah I still have everything. So and- now it's time for you to go pull your bootstraps up. You want to get where I'm at? Mm-hmm. Pull yourself up by those bootstraps. I actually love that analogy. It's uh, I actually was listening to you and it, it's getting me a little emotional hearing that because it, it paints a pretty pretty realistic picture. But there was something else I wanted to share with you and I, I hope it comes out right. And it's not to dismiss what you just said. Mm-hmm. But it was something that popped in my head is that the way you were describing the player that had to give up everything for 400 rounds and then could finally start keeping it I didn't feel any connection to that, but the second he was able to start getting money and keeping his money, I felt exactly like that person who every time I tried to get up, something was beating me down. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to get into this completely because I really am uneducated on this. But the way I view the world and from the people I'm around, like obviously I'm white, so my family's white, so Mm -hmm. most people I know are white. It's not anything to do with... It's just just where you're coming from. Exactly. Most people I know, if not really all the people in my family, mm-hmm. are that second player from starting at the bottom. Not the previous portion, but starting at the bottom. And I don't, there's probably, a, again, there's, I, I want this to, ma- I want to make sure this comes out right because I don't mm-hmm. want to say that I've been oppressed <clears throat> by any way. Yeah. But the position that that person's starting at is the position that everybody I, I mean, everybody I know mm-hmm. started at. And I mean, like, no, really deeply. We all started there. So I don't know what else went wrong. So one thing I also do know is that if you had a dynamite round, mm-hmm. you can come up. And okay. we see people do that, like in the lottery, you know, whether it's from hard work or something, you can make that one round worth 50 rounds, 100 rounds. I haven't experienced that yet. 
my rounds are constantly paying the banker and getting thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and uh, and paying for parking. I think that the fact that one go around can change everything. If you looked at that one go around as a generation, mm-hmm. I think that the people that you're looking at that are on top are a very select few. I don't think they're white people as a whole. I don't think they're. I don't think it's anywhere near that. I think you're talking about the people that we talked about earlier, these elitists, Mm -hmm. these families that are grown into wealth, which are 1% of 1%. To the 1% of, you know, that term is because America is the 1% of money. And, you know, as far as the poverty level, the world poverty level and where we're at financially, we are the 1%. And then the 1% of us, and obviously there's people, you know, all around the world, but it's like 1% of 1%. Mm -hmm. Sorry, before I get totally confused myself, anybody listening. Um, the 1% of 1% people were talking about. And I don't think we can look at that first player as everybody who isn't black or everybody that wasn't slavery. I think we can look at that first player as the oppressors that still exist today. And those people are not oppressing just black people. They're oppressing everybody. Like to me, what you just described is what you and I feel and view as the, uh, the wage gap, Mm -hmm. not necessarily, how hard it is to get up top, but how far we have to go to get there. Um, the distance is beyond what I can see. I can't fathom. I don't think I'll ever see it. It's like saying I'm going to touch beyond the clouds. It's not going to happen. It's not my cards. But it's not even necessarily the game now. It's the rules that have been implemented in the mm-hmm. game over such a period of time. Things such as gerrymandering. Mm-hmm. And Which both sides do. Yeah, both sides do. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think it's it, gross. Yeah, it's, it's definitely gross. But it's been more so where, a a lot of black people have been. They were at a point where they couldn't live in certain neighborhoods, mm-hmm. couldn't get better education. They were in these ghettos and all that, and they were. There's several instances throughout history where. Black people were like, you know what? We're just going to go over here and do our own thing. Mm-hmm. And it was just taken from them. Like, um, I know you remember when Trump had his, his rally in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of Black Wall Street? I've heard the term, but if you asked me to explain it, I couldn't. It was a... So please do. It was an actual town in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where black people went off by themselves they had their own bus routes, movie theaters, hotels, grocery stores, banks, everything. This was, was because they had to, right? Because they weren't allowed to integrate? Yeah. Is that what caused... I'm just curious. Yes. That's what yes. caused this. Okay. And it was... They actually had an economic uprising. They were all doing good for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then the U.S. literally bombed them. literally dropped bombs on that city. I'd have to look this up. Uh, while I'm just checking this out, because that sounds crazy to me. I don't, I'm not dismissing it, but um, it just <laughs> yeah. sounds crazy to me. Yeah. Um, the point I was trying to make. That's why it was such a, a um, people were like, are you serious? With all this stuff happening right now, you're going to do it in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Well, 
I think everybody deserves to hear what Trump's saying. And that yeah. you shouldn't purposely not go there because of a history. Uh, I don't think what he was saying has ever pushed anti-black. I think he gets pushed like that, but I think Tulsa is... I don't, know, I don't even think he did it purposely. Deserving. I think he he didn't... Like I said, empathy. You have to look at what everybody is going to look at and think about how everybody else is feeling. So for you to do it there, it was like... um going to pick a better spot which it might even um his decision to have it there might even have been predated to all this racial stuff going on now sorry guys for the silence here i'm just reading something i don't see anything about bombs but i also don't want to do a deep dive right now while everybody's listening um i will look further into that but this is the first thing that popped up um this was it says the Tulsa Race Massacre. So I don't know, This maybe this is separate, but it was the first thing that came up. It said the Tulsa Race Massacre took place on May 31st and June, 20, and June 1st, 1921, when mobs of white residents, many of them deputized and given weapons by the city officials, attacked black residents and businesses of the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So obviously that's just stating some facts. I don't know more about that. Uh, I'd have to look into it. I... You know, anybody who's listening, look into it as well. And uh, you can reach out to me on Instagram. I would love to, you know, if you get any links, I would love to hear more about that. Um, not that I'm not trying to dismiss mm-hmm. that, but, uh, you know, for the sake of time. Uh, I guess the, the point I was trying to make, though, is, and there's two sides to this. Mm-hmm. I was at the bottom, and I feel like I am working my way up, and it's taking me a lifetime to where now my kids are going to have a start after you know and get everything that i got from the few times that i went around already and so their kids if they continue down a good path will be able to do the same mm-hmm. now, i guess one argument could be made that if a black person were to try and do that they might not be able to even get to where i'm at but i do look at you and i see that you and i are are very similar as far as the type of lives we live mm-hmm. um you know you were talking about wanting to purchase a home so you're in a position to to think like that where some people that's not even a, a thing they can fathom yeah and it wasn't easy for me and to be honest, um, I don't want to go fully into detail. We can talk more off air, just you know, for, for mm-hmm. personal reasons. It's just more personal than I want to get to. But this house, I didn't work as hard as I needed to, for as most people do for a home. You yeah. know, I was given a good amount from from an outside source. It, was not, it wasn't a family thing handed. It was something that happened, and I was given uh, financial helping, and I chose to put it towards a house. So. Despite that, I know how hard it was to even plan before that had happened. So I will throw that out there I actually, to, be, to give some full disclosure on that. My best friend, I'll say, he um, he sort of ended up in the same position that you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. And what he did was he bought a home. Well, he didn't buy a home. He bought a, he bought a um, building, mm-hmm. which was... I say probably less than with this cost with two apartments and a storefront, you know, it's in the city, but now you're getting, you're getting income from three different places for this one building to pay a mortgage. That is, I say less than most of the people that I know who have houses. That's a, that's awesome. It's a smart move. It was. How old is this guy? 
I'm just curious because that that sounds like a, I'm, a, an old soul's move and not not too much of a young man's move. <laughs> I'm for 36, most. so he's 37. Be 38 this year. Wow. All right. Yeah, it sounds about the right age to have made enough mistakes to uh, make a good one like that. That's interesting. Yeah, smart move. And his thing was he wanted to have something to give to his children mm -hmm. that they would always be comfortable. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. But, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, it only takes one generation to, to, change. to change. And so I think that's my first thought whenever I hear the term reparations or anything else coming out. Mm -hmm. Is that I don't think throwing money at a at a problem fixes it. It's kind of like giving somebody fish versus teaching them how to fish. Now that can also be easily dismissed as well. It doesn't matter. These are my fish. I fish for them. I deserve them. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation. Well, but I'm saying, as far as a solution to a problem, that mm -hmm. whether it be from slavery or from oppression from the super wealthy right now, mm -hmm. there is a solution to that, and that is grinding and giving the next generation that you leave behind if you so choose to the next leg up and continuing to do that now i do feel that i'm being pushed down and beat down left and right yeah. but i am moving so i wonder i wonder how much of that and it's hard because i'm only here in this little bubble i don't have a big you know life to look at i only have the few years that i've been here well one thing that um but i i oh, sorry to finish it off i know that Looking at my grandfather and the way mm -hmm. he was, my father was better off than him, and mm -hmm. I'm better off than my father, and my son is on track to be better off than me. That's that's what you can. That's the best you can hope for. It, it, yeah, he took the words out of my mouth. It is. My um my grandfather actually owned a a very successful seafood business. Is it Bubba Gump? No. <laughs> But before I, this was before I was born. He, um, he you said your a, grandfather, right? Yeah, my grandfather. He was a seafood chef, and you know he sold seafood threw up, you know, say Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Very good business. And his issue was, you know, he was trying to do the same thing. You know, get it, get generational wealth. And his issue was he tried to do too much too fast. So his business was growing faster than he could keep up with, which caused it to crash, which started us back to ground zero. Yeah. Which is the story not just of black people, though. That's the story of many business owners. Yeah. I guess the point I was trying to make is, are we really that different? It's, is this slavery that's causing this? Or, I mean, I think slavery definitely has an effect on, on black I think it today, has something but... to do with the mentality of people. Mm -hmm. I think sla slavery has something to do with the mentality of a lot of black people because they're stuck in a mentality of, um, would you say oppression? Oppression. I want to say like a lack of self worth. It's a it's a lot of things that factor into it that, you know, slavery might, you know, you, you might not have been in slavery, but what you've been taught growing up is in you. And that being taught to you, everything around you is in reinforcing these ideologies that you already have in your mind. 
And it takes strong people to actually look outside of the bubble that they're in to actually do better. If you're constantly looking in at everything that you grew up with and, you know, this is the way of life, you're not going to grow beyond that. Hmm. You're not going to aspire to grow beyond that. And one thing I've always told all my friends, all my friends' kids, you know, even random people I might have a conversation with. If you do one thing in life, take some time to go explore other places. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm talking, if you're from Pennsylvania, if you're from Delaware, go out to the West Coast, see what it's like out there. Go down South, see what it's like out there. Go out to Texas, mm-hmm. see what it's like out there. You know, jump on a plane, go see what it's like on another, you know, in other countries. And you'll realize your way of life, where you, where you're at and where you grew up, is not what it has to be. 100%, dude. You speak, you're dropping truth bombs. <laughs> well, I guess to piggyback off of that, from what you're saying, it seems like the oppression is being done by themselves and not by... Obviously, I'm not talking about all oppression, but the mm-hmm. oppression we're specifically talking about, about not being able to get a leg up and, and like this mentality of less self-worth, which I actually, I, I've seen in my lifetime. Um, it doesn't take much to, to look at a culture yeah. and see that. I, I think you're right. I think it's sad. I don't get it. But from what you're saying, if that's true, then it's done by choice. Um, people are choosing to stay in that and pass that on to a next generation if would you believe would you say that it's true then if a generation of black people decided to change that mentality for themselves whether it be from an outside source or source or from within that they could then change all of the oppression that we're talking about not all oppression but all the oppression we're talking about that's like brought on by ourselves and have the next generation give them an opportunity to move past it it is, but at the same time, you also have to battle with the systemic racism that's there that it's very passive. Like, you don't you don't realize it. But we're never going to end racism. And I, I really feel like racism is like the, the stupidest shit to ever happen. I couldn't agree with you more. Because, you know... I, I tend to look at people by their values, their morals, how you act, how you treat me, how you treat other people, mm-hmm. as opposed to your skin color. Because um, Kyle, for instance. I love Kyle. White Kyle. I'm White call Kyle. White Kyle since we're talking about race. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I, I've been going through stuff and every day I come in, Every day I come into work, I talk to Kyle, and he cheers me up. He literally cheers me up every day. He does have that quality. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, that's awesome. you know, even like I said, I was at his house right before I came here, and he was just cheering me up. Like, <laughs> yeah. that dude is something else. Yeah, some people got that way about him. Yeah. I almost feel bad for... T- I trained Kyle. I swear we toured to the crap I had for a kid. You know what he told me? What? He said, y'all taught him what to do. Yeah. I taught him what not to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> That's funny. 
because when he first started, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm not the friendliest person. I told him when he first got on the truck with me, I said, I only got one job, dude. I'm not here to train you. I'm just here to make sure you don't die. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> took about a week and then we just, you we'll know, just, we started talking and yeah. they're like the bestest friends. <laughs> dude, anybody out there that's got a job where you're forced to spend a lot of time with somebody, you know, you know what we're talking about here. Like in the truck, like Ernie and I, like we don't have a choice. It's like mm-hmm. a marriage, dude. Like Ernie and I know the buttons to push on one another. Yeah. And we also know how to seek forgiveness from one another when we make mistakes. And it might sound like, you know, no homo mm-hmm. here. Like it's, you do have to look at it as a relationship. Because <laughs> whether you like that person or not, like you, you eventually, even if you don't like somebody off firsthand, you start to see their perspective and you start to have empathy as we're talking yeah. about. And you start to warm up to whoever you're working with for the most part, unless the person is, well, I'm not going to say his name. Um, <laughs> he's not there. No more. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to get myself uh, going to be mean. Um, but yeah, for the most part, you know, and that, I think that's actually awesome. I think I've learned a lot with, you know, about how to deal with people through mm-hmm. this job. Because, you know, I mean, Ernie and I aren't vastly different, but we handle a lot of life differently. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we'll clash because uh, we're both thick-headed. Excuse me, we're both stubborn and we both like to do things our way. Yeah. Those are the ways we are similar. And of course, that's like the worst ways to be similar. But through that, I've, I've really learned how to handle situations that, that come up that help me out in life in general. I do love that about our job, that we mm-hmm. get to have those, you know, to learn that stuff. Uh, but anyway, I'm going down a, a bad path here. I, I to, Not to keep bringing this up, but to go back on the whole idea I was saying about the generation and changing, mm-hmm. it isn't by any means to dismiss things that happen. It's more or less to say racism is so much bigger than us. Uh, the effects of slavery are so much bigger than us. The wealth inequality is so much bigger Jim than Jim Crow, which a lot of people yeah. dismiss, which was only not even 50 years ago. Yeah. But I mean, all these things. I'm saying yeah. we live in a time where that stuff isn't out in the open. It does exist, but it's not in, out in the open. So we do have an opportunity to escape it. And it's not my, my solutions or, or things that I'm saying aren't to dismiss that. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's more of like, is there hope? Can we find a way out? I'm not black, so I can't speak for black people, but I can speak for myself, who a lot of the things we're talking about are very similar with the, the life I live I and think the challenges would, I face. I feel like as far as racism in this country, I feel like it'll only last another two generations. Well, then I, I give it two generations because that being said, there's so many... You, you got to get rid of the people that were around when racism was acceptable. You know, I don't mean to sound like a dick, but once all those old people die that, you know, where racism was acceptable, mm-hmm. once they're out the picture. Well, we're one step closer, yeah. Yeah, we're one step closer. And it's sad that they still teach a lot of their kids to be, like, racist. Like, you still have, you know, certain pockets of the country hmm. with racist little kids and i find that to be weird as shit yeah i i do think i have a, an interesting perspective on this um i do think that we do live in a society where a lot of those people have turned around mm-hmm. um, a lot of that generation isn't just racist because of that generation which i know that's not what you're mm-hmm. saying uh, but just to further my point my father was a racist 
Mm. Um, my father's past. I often feel uncomfortable bringing this up because I and he's my hero. Um, despite anything he did wrong, he's, he's our dad. Yeah, he's my dad. Um, but I watched as the world changed around my father, mm-hmm. and a lot of the things that were said to me that were extremely subtle. Looking back, they were ugly, but mm-hmm. I didn't know as a kid they were very subtle. I watched as I started to develop as a human being and get older and learn some of the things that were being said to me were extremely racist. And I was being raised to think in a racist manner, but I didn't. Uh, I wasn't a racist. I, I, I had, I wasn't an open racist, but I had, I guess as far as it would go, like we were talking about, like seeing a black person walk in. If I saw, you know, if I was a kid and saw a black mm-hmm. person at night, I might have a thought. Not that that person's bad, but I might think I have a need to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Whereas that's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been around long enough to see that that's silly. Yeah. But I'm talking about as a kid. But I watched as the world changed around my father. And you would think that the world would continue to change around him and he'd stay in one place. But what I actually saw was that it was almost like a rubber band, right? And one end of the rubber band was, was the world, mm-hmm. and the progression that we were making as a society and accepting one another. And then the other side was my father. And that rubber band was only able to be stretched out just so much as the world passed him until mm. finally it pulled him along with it. And I watched him, instead of fighting it, give into it. And his heart warmed up. And I'm, I'm grateful to say that the father I had in his later years of life, mm-hmm. before he passed, was a vastly different person than I grew up with. And his heart was completely changed. So I do know and believe that people can change because I saw it. And it was genuine. It was private. It wasn't for any kind of virtue signaling. It was nothing like that. It was between me and him and people close to him. So I do think that's possible. I'm forgetting the point I'm making. Sorry, I'm trying not to like tear up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, grow man. Still, yeah, I still get emotional about my father. Um, but anyway, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that you know these things can change. You know, people can change. But I think there's always going to be the people that don't care whether it's accepted or not. They're yeah. always going to feel that way. And even if, you know, the racism we're talking about nowadays and, and in this conversation is mostly black and white because that's what's being thrown in our faces constantly. That's what's being worked on right now, right? Um, but I think that if, I don't think racism will ever disappear. I do think that the racism between black and whites will disappear mm-hmm. and it'll be something else. It'll be guys with earlobes that don't attach. You know, it'll be something. I feel like there's something ingrained in us. I don't like it. There's something ingrained in us that you're either constantly fighting because you mm. know it's ugly or you're giving into it. And that's that you're better than somebody else because of something else or because of something that's different between you two. And if you are not careful and aware of that as a human, you can fall into that pit and find yourself either being racist or just in general putting yourself above somebody. So I think that's something we're going to fight until the end of time. Well, I, I feel that way about... Glenn. I feel that way about a lot of things. And I feel like it's your whole mentality on the way you just react to life. Like, are you willing to see something happen and learn from it, adapt from it? Mm-hmm. Do you let it just hold you down? Like, what is it you do with your situations in life? Like, I understand there are certain situations where you really can't grow from them. I also realized, like, most knockdowns are just a lesson. So you need oh, to either... Time, dude. Yeah, you, you need to learn and move forward. 
There's a saying I wanted to look up that actually pertains to what you said. And we're, we are getting, if you are still listening, thank you. We're getting up on uh, three hours, so we'll... Really? We're trying to... Dude, it goes by quick, dude. This is a time time warp zone. Dude, you know, I heard Joe Rogan say that before. He's like, mm-hmm. this is like a time machine, and I get it, because every time I do this, man, time literally flies. No. You know what it is, dude? We don't do this as a society anymore. Like, we got our phones with us. Like, here, it's like your phone's down. We have the computer here, but I feel rude every time I'm going to it, so mm-hmm. it's not... You know what I mean? It's not as accepted. <laughs> and so we're spending all this time actually talking. Yeah, that is my foot. You were oh. playing footsie with me. <laughs> um, there's this saying well, you I love. Your arm around me all week long. <laughs> Dude, Brandon, uh, Brandon and I were in a truck while my normal partner Ernie was on vacation, uh, living it up under the sun in Florida, and I was I'll be training. There yeah, Saturday. Oh, nice, dude. <laughs> um, I'll be thinking about you when I'm sweating in an uncomfortable way, not on the beach. Uh, but yeah, I, I was also training a new driver in my truck, so I was switching back and forth so the times that i was sitting on the side if you've never seen a trash truck or a lot of these commercial vehicles there's no room for the passenger let alone me that weighs close to 300 pounds and brandon which is also a full-grown man so i spent every time he was in the truck with my arm wrapped around him just to get rid of the the width of my my giant arm in between us i kept grabbing onto a bar to try and hold myself from falling and then i kept realizing often it was his it was his like side right above his waist <laughs> Anyway, I, I'm not going to get into to find out who this was, but it was, um, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% of how you react. Mm-hmm. That has stuck with, I wanted to make sure I had the exact words. That mentality has stuck with me for many years, ever since I first saw that. It's one of my favorite quotes, uh, which I should probably prove to be my favorite by remembering mm-hmm. it word for word. <laughs> but I've heard that. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a pretty common thought, um, but, you know, it was just something that really affected me. Um, but I think it's true, man. I think, you know, stuff is always going to happen to us. It's going to beat us down. And you can either choose to fall into it in a, you know, what was me kind of way, which you might in this certain situation have every right to do so. Mm-hmm. But having a right to do something doesn't mean it's going to be the best decision for you. And so you also have the right to choose not to let it get you down and react in a positive way and let it get you stronger, you know? So anyway. Um, well, for me, I'm yeah. I'm one of the... Like, as far as people being hard on themselves, I'm one of the, I'm very hard on myself. I'm self-critical, but I, I only give it to a certain amount of people. Like, how I feel about myself and what I'm doing. If I'm not happy with myself, I share it with a certain amount of people. And my best friend I was telling you had the, um that bought the building. Mm-hmm. It was one day he was like, dude, dude, stop. Like, as much stuff as you've done, I don't know why you're treating yourself like that. Like, (laughs) he said, I've never seen anyone as hard on themselves as you are, like, just Mm self-critical. I see what's wrong. I need to change it. Sometimes I get lazy, and I start to change, and it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So then I'm like, ah, I messed up again. Same mistake twice. Can't, you know, it's... It's a mind frame, self-discipline. A lot of people, it, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. And there's ways to frame that to be like an extraordinary drive in your life. Yeah. So it is, I think it's a fantastic um, I've attribute. Always, I've always been critical properly. of myself. Yeah. I think that could be either a crutch or a treadmill, you know, it's, it, mm-hmm. or not a treadmill, <laughs> like a, you know, a, a rocket ship to launch you. It, it could, you know, it's really about the way you go about it. I think it's a good quality to have that. I'd rather have it than not. I don't have that as much as I would like to. I took this picture. Well, it was a screenshot. 
and I wanted to show it to you because um I, I figured the whole race thing would come in into play. And like there definitely is a different standard from you know things you can do than the things that I can do. And we actually had the um conversation about the guns the other day where you know the I, I wanna say Philando and getting shot in the car because he had the yeah had the legal firearm in the car and how he was approached mm-hmm. so I'm going to describe this as I'm reading it it's um it says up top it says for those who need an illustration of white privilege and it shows three people standing on what looks to be a beach one man is reaching for a gun. Now, I don't know if he's resting on the gun or pulling the gun, but then there's another man behind a police officer in front of the guy pulling for the gun, and he's pointing at the guy. And then there's an <laughs> officer in the middle who, instead of reaching for his gun, is just kind of putting his hand out as if like to say, "Don't like no." Now, I don't know the situation in this. I don't know the situation, but I, I guess I'm glad you brought that up to see that picture. But it's something that. I do know. I do know that there are different, th- you know, different things and different ways we're treated. I also know that it's not across the board. It's not across the board. Because I had, I have a story that I went into really deep on one of my podcasts where I was pulled over for being in a place that, you know, for lack of better terms, it was the total opposite. I was white where I shouldn't have been white. Yeah. You know, I should. You know, only black people come here for drugs. It was in Camden. <laughs> so a white boy going through, obviously I'm up to no good. So because I was white, I'm pretty convinced that that had a lot to do with the way I was treated, but not, you know, something else that got me pulled over, but it wasn't mm-hmm. even illegal. And next thing I know, guns are drawn, flashlights are in my face. I'm being handcuffed to the ground, kicked and beat until I admitted, you know, that I had performed all these different crimes that I didn't do um, and was almost put away in prison for a very long time. Um, that's a long story. But I've experienced that when it does one of two things to me. One, it lets me know that it's not exclusively black people that experience this. And two, mm-hmm. when I hear an excessive amount of black people describing similar stories and no other white people that I know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying there aren't. Yeah, there, I'm, I'm, there's definitely, it there's does, definitely yeah, some with stories. It, it does but. one of two things. It lets me know that it's not across the board black people, but it also lets me know that if it's happening to black people more than white people, I know what it it was like to go through that mm-hmm. and it's not a life I want to live. Like not being in a you know, criminal, but I mean like being afraid of something like that. I don't fear that now. A lot of black people still fear that. I, I fear every time I get pulled over. Yeah. I, I feel like I fear a ticket. I fear having to pay. Nah, I feel like I'm, that's gonna... what I'm saying. Like I, I know that's different. So that's my biggest fear when I get pulled over. I got a ticket. I got put in jail. I want to say 2013. Because, okay, so I'm coming from work back in North Dakota. You know, this is, I I got arrested several times out there for the weirdest stuff. I just got off work, and normally what I did when I was at work out there, I'd get off like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, and I would go to the gym, like straight from work. You know, I'm, I'm talking overalls rated for below zero big boots on that's right i remember you telling yeah that kind of work you did yeah and um you know i'm in my car 
And I'm like, you know what? I just don't even feel like going to the gym today. I'm just going to take it to the house. I'm, I'm going to go in, just go to sleep. So, you know, I, I went off my normal route. I get pulled over doing 32 and a 25. I'm like, what you pulled me over for? You're like, well, um, you know, you're doing 32 and a 25. You know, we, we get a lot of complaints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you love that line. Yeah, <laughs> we get a lot of complaints around here about people speeding yeah. in or this we, area. We got, a, we got a call. We look around, <laughs> who, who called you? <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And this first officer, he's pretty cool. He's like, you know, um, license, registration, all this. I'm like, here you go. He's running it. Second officer pulls up. He looks at me. Looks at my car. I have a 2000 um, Lincoln Town car. So he's like, all right, let's make this quick. Where's your stash? I'm like, what are you talking about? Dude, I, come on, I'm man. like, I just got off work. And these are the exact words that no, he I, used. I feel like, like, <laughs> I've, I've been in situations where I watched from the sidelines and seen this stuff happen. I believe it. I said, dude, I'm just, um, I'm, I'm just going home. I just got off work. I pointed to my clothes. I said, as you can see, I clearly just got off work. I just want to go home. Oh, that's your cover, though. You're a black man. You got a stash. So he's like, <laughs> where? He kept yelling it, too. He's like, give me your stash. Just mm. give me your stash. I'm like, dude, I don't have a stash. Now, I was smoking at the time, and my stash was at my house. <laughs> 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 so I'm like, dude, <laughs> I just want to go home. Like, I knew there was nothing in the car. So, he's like, you got a stash. Give me your stash or, you know, we're going to raid the car. Okay, raid the car. There's nothing in the car. I had a trash bag, like a, not a not a whole trash bag, a, a bag you would get out of a convenience store. Okay, yeah, like a plastic bag. Yeah, and I had blunt guts in it. Mm-hmm. Which is not illegal. They arrested me for paraphernalia. paraphernalia. Dude, that's crazy. I mean, and I then hold on, I'm not it, done. But... I'm not done. Yeah. Once I got arrested for the paraphernalia, they took me to the jail. You know, booked me and gave me a piss test and gave me another charge for consumption. Wow, dude, that's the stuff. <laughs> dude, that stuff pissed me off because here's the thing. You know, some people might be listening and say, "Well, you broke the law." Okay, cool, you're right. But why were you being jammed up like that? Like, I, I have to imagine, and I don't I don't buy into a lot of the, the Black Lives Matter movement stuff, and I, a lot of stuff that gets pushed, but there, but there's smoke, there's fire. I have to imagine that most black people have a story similar to yours. Maybe some white people, but most black people. Yeah. And I've seen it. Um, it's crazy, because that whole paraphernalia thing, and like, pointing, a lot of these laws are put into place not to jam somebody up on them, but as a means to to catch something bigger. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When they saw you had nothing, the world I'd like to live in, the police reform I'd like to see is, okay, you got blunt guts. No weed. Have a good day. We didn't get them this time. Maybe next time he'll have more than the blunt guts. Okay, that's it. But jamming somebody up like that is just, to me, it's an excessive power. Um, it's not an overuse of power because they are given that power, whether mm-hmm. it's for 
away a means to something bigger or not, they still have that power to do that. And I don't like that. I don't like that at all. It makes me uncomfortable. I feel like that is, I feel like the police, and I'm pro-police, you know, I got yeah. police lives matter on my truck. It was put on there when I bought it, but I left it because I like it. <laughs> but man, recently, I have found myself in more quarrels with the police force or things that are being done in this country than ever before. I still consider myself heavily pro-police. Uh, but, but man, do I not like a lot of things. I don't think when you don't like something, you should dismiss it. I do believe change is needed. And to me, the biggest change I'd like to see is the fact that, you know, we're talking about having a boot that's constantly stomping us down whenever we're getting up. The biggest thing I see to that for a lot of us is the police. And it's not that I don't think they're all racist or anything like that. I think as a society, the police have been given a power to crush us way too often and for far too little. And, you know, when you look at the sentences given for black people for the same thing as white people now, that can be broken down for a lot of cases. I've seen a bunch of videos where somebody will put up a video and say, look, here's the same charge for these two people. This guy got this charge. That guy got that. And they don't go in and you go into it further. And you're like, Oh, that guy had a rap sheet as long as, you know, but if that's the rap sheet, can you really, does that really hold any ground? If well, that's the sort of stuff, yeah, on I mean, your well, the rap whole sheet. three strikes thing, or, you know, I mean, I'm going not off of actual mm-hmm. three strikes, but you know, if somebody's continuing to do it, you know, you don't have as much of a reason to let them just go. Cause obviously, Mm-hmm. If they didn't, you can say oh, this is the first time or something like that. But on the same scale, not every case when you break it down shows up like that. There's definitely some inequalities in this world. But, you know, being for time's sake, I am going to wrap this around uh, to close. And I am curious because a lot of the stuff we talked about, we actually haven't gotten a chance to talk this deeply in the truck. Mm-hmm. And like I kept saying, I was joking our, our when I said, "Because our conversations always they're get quick, cut off. yeah." On the way from one, <laughs> yeah, from one development to the next, mm-hmm. a lot of yeah, I kept jo- I was joking when I said you sound like a Republican, but on the same time, I was, I was also being a little serious. You you said in the beginning that you would never that you're definitely voting for Biden. Mm-hmm. I have to ask you if anything from this conversation has given you any kind of doubt to say not to vote for Trump, but if anything we've talked about because a lot of the things you've described are completely opposite of Biden. I know you were slightly joking when you mm-hmm. said home team, but yeah. do you think there's any chance that thinking on this deeper, that maybe you're not so dead set on voting for Biden, that maybe Trump might be the vote, or maybe somebody who's not either of them would be the vote, because a lot of the things you're talking about that you're upset about are what you're talking about voting in further. And, you know, we could talk all day about what we do and don't like about the things that people say, but what Trump posts on Twitter doesn't affect you daily. If you deleted your Twitter, you're not affected by that, but if you deleted your Twitter and continued to vote people in, the oppressions continue. Okay, for in that instance... You talk close to that. Oh. I want to make sure. My fault. Um, That's all good. As far as me changing my vote, I would say... Or just consider. I'm just curious. I wouldn't vote for Trump, but there are Republicans that have been in the party that I probably would have voted for over, over Biden. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think you said, you, I believe the conversation was with you, but where I said a Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you've talked about him. I like Mitt. Like, you know, you were, he was going against Obama. So I was like, eh, <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah. And, oh, interesting story. In about 2005, I had a girlfriend that I had for, like, seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. 
And she told me in 2005, you know, we were together from 17 to like 25 or something. But like 2005, back to 2005, she told me we're about to have our first black president. I said, what? Yeah, (laughs) whatever. And she showed me, I want to say it was a Times article on, um, on Barack Obama back when he was just on, what was he, a senator? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, things happen. We weren't together. And then I seen it happen. Like, you know, regardless of his policies or, you know, getting deep to, you know, what, what happened during his presidency, just uh, just as a black American and to see that that's even possible mm-hmm. these days made me tear up. Just to see that that happened. So it's, it's possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, as far as these past two elect, well, the first Trump election and this election coming up, it's just been like, okay, the, these candidates y'all are throwing out are just like, this is the best we can do. Hmm. At least when you listen to Obama, he made you feel something like you, mm-hmm. like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about and he has our best interest at heart. You talk to these, you know, you listen to these other people talking and it's like, what are you really here for? Even Hillary, you could tell that all her speeches were just coached. They were pre-written and you had talking points. But, you know, listening to a Bernie Sanders, you can feel the passion passion in him. And, you know, he has he's not out to do you no harm. He's not out just for himself. Bernie's out to do what he think, you know, even if you don't agree with his policies in his heart. He's out to do what he thinks is right. Yeah. And like I said, I disagree, but I felt like <clears throat> yeah. genuine would be the best way to put it. In fact, if you haven't listened to it, you or anybody listening, um, he spent, I think it was like an hour long podcast with Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. It was great. It was great. It, it's when I completely changed my mind on him. I realized that you, you can only lie for so long. Yeah. If you're spending that much time with a guy like Rogan and you're getting loosened up, your true self's going to come out. And I saw that the policies didn't change. I still don't like him for that reason. Mm-hmm. But as a man, the hatred I had for him, I realized was generated by little clips that I was watching on on the internet or, you know, just whatever memes that were popping up. And I realized that the hatred I had for him was created by other people and not by myself. Mm-hmm. And that my real hatred wasn't for him, but it was for his policies. And I guess it was opposite for Obama. Mm. I actually, what you were saying, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I guess to, to add to that, I... We, when you were talking about that, man, I was really digging listening to, to talk about that, like mm-hmm. about him, you know, and it bringing a tear to your eye and all, but um, because I had the same emotion towards it, and I disagree with him on almost everything he did as a president. I I really believe he's going to go down as one of the worst presidents, policy-wise. But again, that's my biased opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't like him, policy-wise. But I'm so glad that that happened. I'm so glad that happened. 
whether it was to put it in the face of all the people that didn't want it to happen purely mm-hmm. because of the color of his skin or the people who thought it couldn't happen. Like now people have like, I, I love rap, but rap is not, you know, I don't want my son to grow up to want to be a rapper or want mm-hmm. to idolize these people. Like yeah. Obama is somebody that a young black person can idolize as his stance in this country and his stamp on history. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about what I just said about him being, you know, a bad president policy wise, but just in general that it's a possibility gives hope and it get it's a positive example for the black community and I don't think there's enough people like that. So for that respect, man am I glad that we had an Obama presidency. And yeah. I mean that genuinely. Um, so yeah, some truth to that. I I still don't think I understand why you would vote Democrat. Um, especially like just with this conversation. I respect it hundred percent though. Mm-hmm. I, I always say like um, anybody who wants to vote if you can't get to the polls or you got some excuse of why you can't vote but you want to, mm-hmm. I'll drive you there. You know, I said that to people like, I'll, I'll get you there. Uh, uh, if you want to vote for Hillary, I will do anything in my power to get you there to vote for her. And I hate her. What I found I out is, important. I just got to walk out my door. Dell Tech is right across the street from my house. Mine's, <laughs> up, mine's up the street too. It's like two blocks away. No, it's literally yeah. like out my front door across the street yeah. into that door. So nice, the last two places I lived were like that. The one was like literally on the corner of my house. Is that like some yeah. little, you know, some building? And then this one's like two blocks away. But I guess my challenge to you, and I know this is both sides. So if you had mm-hmm. something for me, I'm, I'm more than open to do things. I love being challenged. Mm-hmm. I guess to end, my challenge to you this is the final thing I'll say. My challenge to you is to explore the option of not voting in somebody else like this, um, mainly because of the fact that it seems like a lot of your things that you believe and feel strongly about are completely opposite about of who you're voting in. So I would challenge you not to vote for somebody else specifically, but to maybe consider not continuing down the path that has not brought what was promised to you many times before. And that'd be my challenge to you. I look at myself as a, a different breed from my peers. And when I say peers, I mean people I've grown up with that I've been around for the majority of my life. My mindset is not the same as theirs. And like I said, I've went out, I've traveled, I've seen other places. I know it can happen. And some of it happened just on dumb luck. I had opportunities that arose and I said, you know what? I'm going to go take this. You want me to go to Texas? I'll go. Let me go see what it's like there. You want to come live in Florida? Oh, yeah. Let me go go live in Florida. Massachusetts? Oh, yeah, I'm there. You know, North Dakota, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but it was an experience. Mm. You know, I got to see different parts of the country. I got the chance to just travel and see things, watch different cultures, know that everything around me is not the same. But I also see the people that are stuck in the same positions that I could have been stuck in. Hmm. And I see what the things that they need and the things that would completely destroy them because they don't have the same mindset or the same ambitions that I've had in in me. So when I go vote, it's not necessarily for my own interest because at the end of the day, I'm going to make my way. Mm Mm-hmm. But I have a lot of people 
that I care about and grew up with that I know they're not in the position to make their own way. Hmm. Well, that's powerful. I mean that. Um, is there anything that you want me specifically to take away? Because this was a long one. I've been, you know, it's funny. I, keep, I, I feel like I'm always bringing up Rogan to my podcast. That's because often He's when I'm... He's the king. He is a king. <laughs> but I'm always reaching out to a select few that I know listen to it, uh, like that I care about their opinion. And uh, one of them said, yo, man, four hours? Because did, I did a four-hour one before, my first first one. And they said simply, come on, dude, you're not, you're not Rogan. And I took that such to heart. like, And now I'm looking at the time here. Anyway, um, man, I completely lost my train of thought on that. But um, yeah, I just thought that was funny. But, you know, it's it's interesting. These conversations, like this felt completely natural. I really enjoyed this time here with you. But um, a lot of times during that time, you know, a lot of stuff is said. I always listen to it again once more to catch on things maybe I missed or find ways to improve. Um, but until then, I'm just curious, is there anything specifically that was brought up that you like the challenge to me or something that you really want to drive home to just re-mention to me just and, and quickly sum up, you know, a thought that you want me to focus on? Just curious. Well, we, we, we touched on it. The biggest thing I have going on in, in my mind right now, and I'm trying to really base my life around completely, is empathy around other people. Because it's not all about me. Even at the end of the day, after I'm gone, it's about my kids. It's the people around my kids. You know, we're we're not here forever. We're not, you know, the world does not revolve around us. We revolve around the world. So we can't just be selfish our whole lives. We got to think about everybody. <coughs> Excuse me. Cool, man. I like it. Dude, I got to thank you very much for coming here and spending this much time here. I feel like, honestly, I'm never going to be able to look at you the same in a positive <laughs> way. No, in a positive yeah. way. I feel like every time I see you now, you know, we're going to have a connection from this conversation. And it's insane how powerful a long conversation can be um, to really get to know a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that people listening, just despite what aisle you're on or side of the aisle you're on in politics or anything in life, that you can listen to this and see that you know, Brandon is left-leaning, but is not a lunatic leftist Antifa member, and I'm not a neo-Nazi racist. Because <laughs> that's, that's a common theme here that yeah. I, I want to keep pushing, is that we're not as different as we think, you know? I find that the more I get into politics on the opposite side, I find that we often have the same end thoughts. Goal. Well, yeah, the same end goal, but different paths. And I can respect that. And I like I like to know that, and I hope I never forget that. I hope I in fact I hope it's more real to me every year. Um, so anyway, I thank you for coming on, and doing this. And actually, more than that, it's probably not as important, but it's more important to me at this moment. Thank you for introducing me to Ciroc Coconut because it is the <laughs> smoothest, most delicious vodka I've ever had in my life. Um, but anyway, on a serious note, dude, I really appreciate you coming out. And uh, anybody that's still listening, uh, thank you so much as well. And uh, yeah. I was excited. Yeah, I told fun. everybody, I'm like, I'm going to go do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's fun, man. <laughs> if, uh, if anybody wanted to reach out to you and talk to you, how can they do that? Is there anywhere online that you'd want to share? Besides mm. Alien Face? <laughs> Let me get my Instagram up here. There you go. Like, I've had this for... And you can also go to um, deepfriedthoughts.podcast 
uh, on Instagram. That's uh, that's my page, and I'm going to have a, a link there to uh, Brandon's Instagram, uh, as well as a picture so you can see his pretty face. I am a alien. I-A-M-A-A-L-I-E-N. Oh, I am an alien. Any dots or underscores or funky lettering? Nope. I am an I am a alien? All right. <laughs> I am I am an alien. Cool, man. Well, anyway, dude, thanks again. Thank you, especially to anybody still listening. Thanks for, you know, uh, continuing to stay here. And, uh, yeah, if you have any questions for me or anything you want to comment on, um, you know, head over to my Instagram account. Again, it's, it's deepfriedthoughts.podcast at Instagram uh, or, or however it is on Instagram. Uh, but, anyway, yeah, reach out to me in the comment section. Um, let me know what you think, anything we can improve on things you'd like us to discuss in the future. Uh, I'm open to all, uh, you know, all thoughts. I really do want to know uh, what you guys are thinking. And thank you so much for listening. Later. Look, Donald Trump isn't as bad as they say he is. Really only trying to make America great again. The Bible's just a book for people scared to be atheists. Did we land on the moon? I mean, maybe they faking it. The earth could be flat. The presidents could be aliens. And Americans might even be nicer than Canadians. Unpopular opinions got us caught up in the craziness and hating one another. But we're all just homo sapiens. Someone's always gonna hate you no matter what. Might as well just be yourself and let people think you suck. Opinions are like buttholes. Everyone got one they cover up. And now you got to do is follow through and you yelling that you don't give up i ain't letting anyone piss in my cornflakes stay the hell on my face and i will stay out of your way i know that life is cruel and lately it ain't fair at all you hate your job your phone is lost there's evil men and racist cops yeah i don't care if you're black or white or gay or straight or old or young or smart or dumb or where you're from or what you make the only thing i care about is living like i'm not afraid of dying while i'm sleeping so i seize it when i'm still away we're so angry Maybe the feds killed Biggie and Pac. Maybe the Ku Klux Klan just needs some love and a hug. Maybe 9-11 really was an inside job. And the Christians are right, homosexuality's wrong. Or the Illuminati really want the best for the people. And abortions are murder, so they should just be illegal. So I don't know, that's all I'm saying. These opinions drive us crazy. Got us fighting so much lately, we're divided from our neighbors. Someone's always gonna hate you no matter what. Might as well just be yourself and let people think you suck. Opinions are like buttholes, everyone got one they cover up. And all you gotta do is follow through and you yelling that you don't give up I ain't letting anyone piss in my cornflakes Stay the hell out my face and I will stay out of your way I know that being you is harder than it sounds You're the only one who can, so be you and do you proud Yeah, I don't care if you're black or white or gay or straight or old or young or smart or dumb or where you're from or what you make The only thing I care about is living like I'm not afraid of dying while I'm sleeping So I seize it when I'm still away We're so angry Everyone above head, everyone end up dead, everybody upset, everybody blood red, everybody feels like no one cares. Everything is up, everything is tough luck, I have had enough dumb, everybody shut up, everybody thinks that life ain't fair. Shut up! We're so
one we don't know We can't even take a joke We should really let it go Let it go though And be happy Stop talking on our phones I'm blocking everyone we know We've been being buttholes Action. Where do these moves come from? All right, I'm ready. All right, go. Ready? Yep. Give me the wave. Three. Nope. Maybe the That's, I'm ready. Okay, ready? Yep. Action. Hello, me. Future me. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. They're younger, smarter, dumber, where you're from or what you make them. You're making that insane face again. Give me some cool faces. Cool. Now, yeah, great. One more time? No. That's all you're gonna give me? Now turn and look at me with your face. Give me something, I don't know. She's eating the garbage. <laughs> 